Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of Watch Out for Fireballs. My name is Gary Butterfield. I'm your host, one of the hosts, along with Cole. And uh, yeah, real into this episode, I wanted to give you guys a real quick heads up before we started about uh, two things. One, our Patreon feed. You guys know about it. We talk about it all the goddamn time. And uh, the reason why is because it is life-changing for us in a quite literal way. Um, you know, it, it pays my rent. It allows me to, uh, to spend a lot of time playing video games so I can talk about them. I love doing it. Uh, it's the best job I've ever had. Uh, it is the best job I can imagine really. And, uh, I can only do it because of you guys. Um, if you like the show, um, it's something to consider, right? So a dollar a month, you know, $12 a year, it is less than a price, you know, the price of two used copies of, of Crackdown at a, at a GameStop for the Xbox 360, probably, um, you know, it's it's doesn't cost a whole lot, but it does make a real big difference to us. And if everybody listening to this gave us a dollar a month, um, we'd be able to do new, cooler stuff, and we'd uh, really appreciate it. Second, um, if you go to uh, GaryButterfield.BandCamp.com, you can check out the album I put out uh, for the upcoming Heartbeat City show, which is one of those Patreon uh, milestone goals. Um, all proceeds go to Planned Parenthood. I am a warrior of love, and I take no shit. Thank you for joining my neighbor and subject. Please watch your step. I haven't had a chance to clean up since the latest orgy. Whoa, looks like someone already slipped in it. Uh, uh, is the orgy still going on, my, my liege Duke, uh, Duke of Elf? There are pockets of it here and there. Come with me to the Fistoria. We have much to discuss. I'd appreciate it if you stopped uh, spewing Sasha's crumbs at me, my lord. I'll do respect. My discreet friend. It's a new day in Sirkonos. I don't need to tell you which way the winds are blowing. Oh, I, I'm not standing up wind of you for any particular reason. Uh... Revolution is not cheap, of course. So I'm presenting you with an innovation and investment opportunity. Do you know how difficult it is to prepare meals? My servants lead me to believe that it's a that, that it's a chore, but you're you're not really listening to me, are you? This isn't a conversation. What uh... if for a recurring and exorbitant fee? My men brought you crates of meals that were ready to eat right away, saving you and your servants an hour per week. I don't know. It seems kind of extravagant, even for you, and that's really saying... Picture it, Sonny. Puree of sunfish marrow, shrimp eyes and capers, cream of gall, bountiful dollops of Bastillian fig chutney. It all sounds very liquid. That's the beauty of it. Soon... No household will be able to live without Duke Luca Abel's goo apron. It's charcuterie for you and me. I've got some reservations, sir. If I can just... Uh... To the oubliette with you. <gasps> we'll skip you and dip you in salt. Afterwards, we'll ship him off to the taint pine soon enough. Just goes to show. Always bet on the Duke. Duke Luca, that is. No one was around to hear hear that. Guards, come listen to the joke that I made.
My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro... Uh, It it is a games podcast. Yeah. And uh, this week we are talking about Dishonored 2, which is a first-person stealth action game developed by Arcane Studios and published by Bethesda for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC in 2016. Yeah. You're probably thinking, like, PS4, was that the codename for the Nintendo PlayStation? (laughs) Are these retro people gone insane? (laughs) Uh, no. no, we've done this before. There's precedent for it. This just happens to be the newest thing we've covered. Yeah, your your, your short memory is an embarrassment to yourself and your family. We do this all the time. <laughs> Get with it. I mean, um, we, we did it a couple times about three yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, we did it three years ago, babies. I, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a, so we, I mean, you know, we do what we want. There's no governing podcast body that defines retro. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. Um. So this is a new game, Um. but uh. I played it and really loved it. Cole wanted to play it. We both wanted an excuse to play it. Yep. Um, we wanted to talk about it. And uh, being constrained by a format is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it yeah. is. It is having a format is good. Mm-hmm. But again, there's no governing body. These rules, they was made to be broken. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Dishonored uh, as a series springs from a lot of things that we really love. The Deus Ex Avenge crawlers and immersive sims and, you know, customization, yeah. just a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, the, the the idea that we could latch on to one of these recent things and kind of do a compare and contrast with the original Dishonored, which I really love. And Gary, I know you really love. Felt like a great opportunity. So the timing yeah. was right. There's also just an element of uh, the the pleasure of, of talking about something you want to talk about too, because yeah, yeah. this is this is in my like you know my tight three for last year yeah. as far as games. Um, it is uh, also like this series. I'm like kind of realizing in uh, you know covering the first one and then replaying the DLC um, last summer. Um, I was like, oh, this is like one of my favorite video game series. Mm-hmm. Like I I am excited for everything this company is going to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I I played uh, Dark Crusader Might Magic, which is something I, I want to do on the show at some point, which is uh, one of their early games. Mm-hmm. Also really good. Like Arcane is just there on my alley. Yeah. Prey looks like it's uh, shape enough to yeah. be pretty great. Prey looks very cool. Yeah. Um, which is weird because I don't like the first Prey. You uh, know, but they, I'm, they couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's the thing. And that's why they they're good. Did you ever play the first Prey? Yeah, it's very weird. It, well, it starts out cool, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you're in the bar and there's the invasion and stuff. And then you're just like, it's alien hallways mm-hmm. for yeah. miles. It's so fucking boring. Like, yeah. uh, so sphincter shooter 69. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it just, that sounds like something you would buy for 50 cents from one of those machines in a men's room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's some kind of heinous tickler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> heinous, As opposed to the anus tickler. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> Anus, anus, tickler. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. So these guys are these guys are top notch and yeah. and uh, do the kind of stuff that supports our treatment. Um, you know more than more than anything or as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it plays very similar uh, as as we mentioned. Um, and the sequel draws a lot. You know, we covered Dishonored one. You can find that episode and listen to it. I recommend it. Um, but the sequel draws an amount, a large amount, kind of a tremendous amount from the DLC for Dishonored one. Uh, so we're gonna do do our our little coverage of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fake out. Yeah, here you are. Yeah. Um, so we're not, this is not going to be a full, full length episode on that. Obviously we need to right. go home to our wives and families eventually, but <laughs> the, uh, we are going to do kind of our quick summary of those things. Yeah. So this DLC, um, it's very good. 
uh, just mm-hmm. a spoiler there, came out very shortly after uh, after Dishonored 1 uh, came out. And it tells kind of a side story. Uh, the, these are two packs, the Knife of Dunwall and uh, the Brigmore Witches. Um, and it tells the story of Dowd, the mercenary assassin who kind of sets off the events of the first game by killing the the Empress and kidnapping Emily. And we kind yeah. of follow follow his his journey while Corvo is kind of like laying low um, for most of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, famously voiced by Michael Madsen uh, really excellently. Um, there's actually three DLCs for Dishonored 1 and the other one that's like the level pack or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the content. That's actually pretty cool. Hmm. Um, I fucked around with that for the first time and I was I had no expectations. Yeah, um, that's actually really, really um, like I feel like it should have been released with the game like VR missions. Yeah, to, because what it does during a lot of them is encourage you like they're, they can function as extended tutorials and some of them are teach you how to use the toy box side of the game like these really cool like you get one stop time and this set of tools. How do you do the most damage or how do you accomplish X, Y and Z goal? Oh, wow. Uh, under this like they're really neat like they're yeah. they're worth playing there are new levels or new stages and stuff there's no story content right uh to them but they are really really good uh just little missions so if you like the play of these games uh dunwall city trials is actually significantly better than like bioshock infinite's clash in the cloud or whatever <laughs> yeah you know, they're, I, they're I lumped i lumped this dlc like you know dishonored's uh kind of mission pack dlc in with like the fact that like arkham city all of its dlc was like predator room trials and stuff yeah um which i did a couple of those and like yeah this is kind of boring yeah it depends on how much you want it you know so mm-hmm. like if i had picked up Dunwall city trials right after i played dishonored Maybe yeah. I wouldn't have been hungry for more. Mm-hmm. Going back to it, though, I was surprised by how interesting and cool it was. Yeah. And as somebody who, like, one of the ways I like to approach this game is, like, figure out how to do cool shit uh, in this world. Having And that's not the only way. There's also stealth challenges that are really good as well. Mm-hmm. But they're, uh, that's one of the, the explicit uh, kind of, like, these puzzle challenges. Yeah. Um, so really, real cool. We'll move, we'll move on to the narrative thing. But I just wanted to give it that that dlc a quick plug because it doesn't get any love and it's actually pretty neat yeah and it comes with in any version of this of dishonor that you're going to get now for modern systems will come with that like the, the yeah. definitive edition has all three packs yes um but the what essential playing is uh, the knife of dunwall and the brigmore witches right uh, which we're talking about today yeah uh, real quick so um yeah so the biggest alteration to the play um is the addition of these kind of time manipulation powers in your blink specifically mm-hmm. so dowd's uh you know deal with the outsiders a little bit different his variation on blink is a little bit different so as long as you don't move blink will freeze which allows you to uh plan your actions um you know you can kind of freeze time to kind of assay a situation you can also jump uh and then blink and look for places to aim and the like mm-hmm. which will give you a nice uh a, a, a little edge and latching onto stuff that you otherwise would not be able to latch onto. um it, that go ahead I was just going to say it's excellent and you can get it in Dishonored 2. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love that time stop because it's a, it's a little bit like a Baldur's Gate kind of thing. Like I can decide mm-hmm. when to make this a turn-based game. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, it's pretty great. Um, because the structure of the DLC is a little bit different, it's more of a mission-to-mission kind of thing. There, there's really no opportunity, aside from one stage, to uh, stop at a shop and buy anything. You have these kind of thief-like preparation stages where you can uh, restock your consumables or upgrade your gear or buy favors, which will either give you uh, new runes to find in a, in a place or uh, make certain objectives a little bit easier to accomplish. Yeah, and this uh, this is carries over kind of to Dishonored 2 in a way. Yeah, um, there's a version of this that kind of comes over. 
uh, in the in the uh, flavor of black markets, which we'll talk about. Yep. Um, your mission briefings are provided by your lieutenant, Billy Lurk, uh, who uh, has always been Dow's lieutenant and turned out to be a very important character uh, to this episode mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are visited by the outsider who gives you uh, this kind of hint about strange going ons. Uh, he gives you this name, Delilah. Yes. One word. And this is kind of strange for the outsider who previously in the main game has only really acted by giving his mark to people and letting them have the powers just to kind of watch things unfold. He seeks out remarkable people, but the outsider is getting involved and giving you a little bit more of a push and direction with this one word that sets up the entire DLC, uh, which is about learning who Delilah is and what she wants. And uh, kind of a little spoiler here for the first 10 minutes of Dishonored 2, uh, Delilah is incredibly important to that game as well. She's the antagonist. Yes. Um, and then this is also the outsider being personally involved with her is gets kind of explained in yeah. Dishonored 2 as well, why he's kind of taking this uh, non-neutral stance. Yeah. Um, so there are three missions in each of the, these DLCs. Together, they form up a, you know about two-thirds of Dishonored 1. So it's a really meaty uh, chunk of content. Yeah. Um, so the first mission in uh, in Knife of Dunwall is a captain of industry. Yeah. Um, which is one of you know is probably my favorite uh, mission in this first DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, has the coolest environment, which is this whale slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah. So the whales are incredibly important in the world of Dishonored. Their oil powers all uh, all of the technology that uh, Anton Sokolov has kind of upgraded the society with. And um, uh, this is a place where whales are disassembled, um, essentially. And it's incredibly cruel and gross. Like, this is walking into a fantasy version of the jungle. Yeah, gr- absolutely gruesome. And, like, you know, there's even, like, a little side quest to kind of mercy kill yeah. one, of the, one of these puppers. Yeah, because they're... Oh, they're... What kind of dog is this? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a bad dog. Yeah. Um, the uh also and just because you know slack bleeds into everything so yeah. whales are also really important to the cosmology of this uh, yes. not only is their uh their blood used to power this kind of industrial revolution their bones have magical properties mm-hmm. um all of your your bone charms and runes and stuff are made from whale bones mm-hmm. and uh it is there is evidence it is not a slam dunk but that the outsider is actually uh, connected to this whale we know that he has a trust role for him we learned that in dark sun too mm-hmm. but um there's also you know he is referred to as the great leviathan in some of the texts yeah and things that like floats through the uh the void yeah and stuff so you know the idea that it is possible that this this great there is a kind you know a kind of cosmic whale that is the the thing that drew the outsider and gave him his powers yeah uh is is reasonable yeah so so this is, uh, again, you know, something that I'm going to miss in Dishonored 2 a little bit is the environment of Dunwall and how kind of bleak things are. You know, the fact that this is set around a labor dispute and we're hearing them talk about the terms that are laid out and we get to see just how, you know, dismal and grimy everything is because of the uh, the, the slaughterhouse owner's neglect. It is, uh, you know, very much just kind of a, a, a poignant slice of like what yeah. life is like here. I, I mean, I, I feel like we get we get good sections of that mm-hmm. uh, in in Dishonored Two as well, like you know, Dust District and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But this is this is uh, this is a really cool illustration of it in, in Dunwall, which, as much as I love Dishonored One, uh, you know, it showed this kind of plague-ridden city, but there wasn't so much in the way of like brass tack tax. Mm-hmm. Like, how did this happen? What does it actually, you know, what this is a labor dispute. You know, this is <laughs> this couldn't be more practical. Right. 
um, as, a, as a cause for this. So you essentially find the slaughterhouse owner and find out why he named his ship Delilah. That was your only only clue. Yeah. Um, and you can do that. Uh, so you can either kill him and one of his uh, one of his lieutenants will tell you the information or you can strap him to an interrogation chair of his own device um, and mm-hmm. uh, basically torture it out of him. Um, yes. I play this as high chaos because that's how I see Dowd. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like uh, D- uh, Dishonored, you can do this non-lethally. You can do it low chaos. If yes. You want. Yep. Um, and uh, chaos, you know, you can listen to our Dishonored 1 episode to kind of learn how what that is and stuff. It actually works a little differently in Dishonored 2, which we'll talk about yeah. uh, when we get to the generalities for that. Mm-hmm. So Mission 2, Eminent Domain. Um, there is kind of a local aristocrat, artisan kind of person who um, uh, knows more about this ship and kind of has this obsession with Delilah, uh, which is what we learn um, from our whale killer fellow. And this guy is a, a protected slumlord who kind of has immunity from property seizure. So he has this uh, well-appointed mansion kind of, kind of in the middle of all of this squalor. Um, and so this mission is kind of about uh getting information out of him and one of the ways that you can do that is to uh get him evicted from his house i love this mission gary that's that's a really satisfying like ending for him (laughs) yeah i'm I'm way into that yeah um and also love uh infiltrating a big uh, a big fancy mansion yeah yeah it's real cool like he does um you know his uh where he's gonna be is kind of random Mm -hmm. so if you're assassinating him right like the non-lethal way of taking care of him is is cooler Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, in this mission, um, but there's also like, he'll go out to his deck, you know, so you can, you can literally snipe him from across the way. Yeah. Um, this mission does a really good job of showing, uh, the wide variety of play styles supported by this series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this mission also introduces the, um, the overseers. I forget, did the, uh, were the organ grinder overseers in Dishonored one? Yeah, they were. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, this, this introduces them to the DLC. So outside of this, uh, this manner, and then also on the way out, you have overseers who are these religious zealots who, uh, kind of have these units that will grind organs to play this eldritch music that, uh, that disables your powers. It's like yeah, anti occult fields. Yeah. Like the, the math of the music. <laughs> there's, there's really cool, like notes you can find yeah. that kind of explain how this works. And these guys are, you know, high priority targets, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and incentivize stealth, you know, not necessarily low chaos or non-lethal stealth, but, mm-hmm. you know, getting them not to play the music. Yeah. Um, these guys actually take over, uh, your home base. They reuse a level, but recontextualize it heavily, mm-hmm. uh, here, um, in the surge, the third mission where the overseers have taken over the flood district, which is where, uh, the whalers are, which is, uh, Dowd's gang. And, uh, you have to rescue your assassins. Yeah. Kind of t- so this is kind of a different kind of mission for this game as well, where there are different uh, little individual scenarios of uh, uh, resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So you have your waypoints set up to go, you know, dr- draw you toward these uh, the, the, these assassins and then figuring out how to extract them, um, you know, using your chosen your chosen method. I I cannot I have a hard time seeing how you would do this non-lethally, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely you can do it. Yeah. I've done all of the I've done these games uh, non-lethally. Mm-hmm. Um, most of Dishonored 2, not all of it, actually, because I wanted to replay it for the show. Yeah. Um, and the uh, it's possible. So I've done it because um, mm-hmm. I played this DLC twice. But I also don't have uh, any tolerance for for the overseers, mm-hmm. you know, like a, this kind of religious bigotry and like. I don't know. I'm going to choose cool witchy void powers, <laughs> you know, and if they're going to they're going to string me up for doing cool witchy void powers you know we're enemies we're enemies bro yeah yeah if you would see me uh 
You know, did you see the uh, the video where the overseer got punched in the face when he was doing that interview? <laughs> I mean, um, I have, I, I've got nothing against punching overseers. I think it's fine. Yeah, it is absolutely it's absolutely okay to punch overseers in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but you kind of make your way through. This is kind of a, kind of a cool mechanic because the more of your assassins you save, um, they can help you in stuff in this weird way. Like you can see them out in, in kind of the distance, like killing overseers and stuff, which is pretty cool. But this ends with uh, Billy Lurk, uh, who who shows up here. Yeah. And uh, you know, so you take out you know you take out the high overseer here, and uh, Billy Lurk shows up and was actually hired by Delilah. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on your chaos level, she either decides to go through with that and turns on you or uh, changes her mind at the end. Yeah. And that, you know, that that changes the ending of this. Does it end with, you know, her saying, hey, let's go do this together? Or are you having this incredibly difficult fight um, with someone who shares your power set? Yes. Yeah. Which is uh, similar to the Dowd fight in Dishonored 1. And bad uh, as fuck. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. I said bad um, meaning good there. Yeah, bad like in a Michael Jackson way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so moving on, you know, now we've got some more intelligence right. on Delilah. And we can move on to the Brigmore Witches. Yes. Um, these Brigmore Witches are so-called because they've set up their, their their coven or coven in the Brigmore Estate, which is this big spooky mansion that has changed hands a lot and now sits kind of in disrepair um, downriver. But, you know, we need a boat that will get us there and also a, a captain who is willing to break the law. And that takes us into mission one, a state of execution for Lizzie. We got to break her out. Yep. Yeah. A, a prison break. Um, <laughs> she's the leader of a of a gang, the Dead Eels. Um, and I uh, was cast out because somebody upstarted uh, her, mm-hmm. upstarted the boogie. Yep. And uh, this is really cool. There's a couple like if I remember this and I, like I said, I played this in the summer. I didn't play this fresh. Yep. for the show this time just because it had been too recently since I had played it. But there's like one of the cells that is like taken over by it's like overgrown. Mm-hmm. I think it's where the outsider shrine is. Yeah. In this level that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um this is a cool level where you have to kind of get these codes to open up these cell blocks. Some of them have <laughs> weepers in there. Um so opening it up there's kind of a risk reward that reminds me of Latria mm. actually like Yeah. You know, I open all the doors here and let, let these uh <laughs> yep, these uh these new systems out. <laughs> yeah uh you can also find uh the <laughs> you can find you can find the guy that you got uh that you got arrested for having a stinky house a stinky oh, yeah. house yeah he's uh he's here if you uh if you got him arrested um yeah. which even though i did a high chaos playthrough i still ended up doing some of the non-lethal ones because they seemed more fun and challenging um, they are like the non-lethal assassination targets kill every every single fucking guard that betrayed me is, is <laughs> my preferred way to do this yep you know, like uh, existential torture for my enemies, real, <laughs> real torture for my enemies' servants. Like, yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they get a they get a quick death. You know, they don't have to live yeah, in exile exactly without their eyes or something like that. Yeah, this could it could be a thousand times worse. I'm not going <laughs> to literally take your personality from you. I'm just going to cut your throat, you yeah. fucking grand guard toady. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so this is a cool mission. I like uh, I, I like the uh, the, the prison. Uh, mm-hmm. cold, Coldwell or Coldrich rather, um, yeah. and escaping with with Lizzie kind of uh, draped over your shoulder. It's uh, it's pretty tense and good. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, that moves on to uh, the Dead Eels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we take the ship back, but it needs a like a, a whale drive or whatever. It needs it's in disrepair. You need a part. <laughs> a whale drive. Um, so this is dealing with this this band the or this uh, gang the Hatters mm-hmm. here, and uh, and their leader the Geezer. 
um, <laughs> in the Draper's Ward. I love that. Uh, there's nothing about that sentence that I dislike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that is a, a truth or dishonor, we'll talk about a little bit more when we get into the main game, um, is that like, I, I agree the criticism of this, that there is something kind of missing in uh, the actual writing to make it function as like kind of a story, mm-hmm. you know? So the people who get like, I'm never going to read these, these codexes because something about them makes them not pop. Yep. And I, I think, I think I know what it is, is that they're written to be like, they're of the world. Like they're not written mm-hmm. for us. Like they're written for people inside the world, yeah. except for when they're explicitly written for us where it's like, I left the code and you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, but they, they're written to be like kind of boring diaries or boring books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it is such a good idea. Generation factory. Mm-hmm. Like this series just has like so many cool ideas. Yeah. Uh, it's like that would just work for me 100% that make me forgive and papers over all of, you know, any kind of flat character work or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 these terrible conditions in these cities have basically created uh, a kind of a seedbed of all of these little miniature warriors gangs to pop yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I love the Hatters. Um, and the kind of thing is that the uh, the geezer, we find out, if I recall, and you can correct me if I'm misremembering yeah. this, is in, like, a vegetative state, and his nurse is kind of manipulating the gang and taking care of him. Right, yeah. So the nurse has cut uh, has, has cut the geezer out and is keeping him basically on life support, uh, tortured and half alive, um, and also plugged into uh, this massive poison spray, which if he dies, basically the entire textile mill will, uh, will, will, will be killed. So anybody who catches wise to this, you know, will, will doom the gang. And so you end up having to, uh, having to take out the nurse and also figure out a way to, uh, to circumvent this, uh, the, the, this poison gas. It's slightly less like Batman, <laughs> like Joker sounding in the, in the game. Like the yeah. fact that he's connected to a poison spray, <laughs> like it, it, it reads a little bit better in the game. Yeah. Than that. It's, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying as a sentence, it ends up sounding yeah, yeah. absolutely it's a, unreasonable. <laughs> yep, it's a, it's a, it's a fail safe with crazy, crazy purple knockout gas. Yeah. No. Um, so that <laughs> moves on to once you've now got your boat, you can actually go to Brickmore Manor, uh, to the coolest level in this uh, DLC, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Delilah's Masterwork. A really which is big actually, and long level, too. It's huge. And it's really this kind of crumbling Southern Gothic, like, you know, disused plantation. Yeah feel to this area is really really phenomenal with these little outbuildings um greenhouses and stuff like that like this is this is great yeah. this is Sh- actually sheds, mausoleums yeah yep this is actually the closest thing because the thing about one of the things about dishonored 2 is that their levels are very different and this is kind of the bridge i feel mm-hmm. um it's not quite dishonored 2 level big mm-hmm. but this is bigger than most levels in dishonored yeah and has that kind of feeling as a, like we're actually going to move into these kind of miniature open worlds as what we're going to do with our level design as opposed to kind of discrete areas like we've done in the past. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But infiltrating this place is pretty difficult because we're introduced to some very, uh, some, some unique enemies, not very unique. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, unique enemies. So we have these witches, um, who have magical powers and will kind of transform when they're fighting you. Uh, and in addition to that, we have these dogs, which have, uh, masks that will reanimate them. If you don't destroy the mask. Yeah. Um, and you also have these enchanted plants that act as turrets. Yes. It's also, this is uh, very river crossed heavy if i recall as well which i was really disappointed to see the river cross not show up yeah uh in dishonor 2 i think that they're saving him for the dlc uh but those things are also kind of turrets and, and huge pains in the ass um so yeah so there's lots of area denial mm-hmm. going on uh, between these things those dog masks also if you snipe them they make a huge noise oh, they wow. howl <laughs> um so you can't uh if you kill them from a distance uh they will alert people 
to know that something's up. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is fantastic. And fighting this uh, enemy with like kind of a explicitly different verb set after, you know, two DLCs and, and more or less an entire game of fighting people with very similar kind of uh, kind of move sets uh, is very, very excellent and uh, plays into, you know, Season of the Witch, like this this duck feed <laughs> thing where the, on the network we're realizing our appreciation for witches <laughs> as a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, abs- absolutely adore this. And like the inside of the mansion is is pretty great too. You have these awesome, you know, large galleries. There's lots of lots of books, lots of paintings uh, to kind of admire. And you know, eventually you uh, kind of read some of Delilah's writings. What she's trying to do is hijack the body of Emily Caldwin. She's adjacent to or part of the conspiracy, and she's going to use her her, her powers to claim her rightful place on the throne. We get more detail about this. Uh, later on in in Dishonor too, but she is related to Jessamine Caldwell, the the the, the uh, um, Empress who was assassinated at the beginning of Dishonored One, and so she's going to do this terrible thing, locking Emily in the void and ru- ruling through her body instead. Yeah, she's end up being John Malkovich. Yes, yeah. it's crazy um, how much that's come up lately too. That's that's what this entire season of uh, uh, Radio Free Mid World is all about. Oh yeah, covering the drawing of the three is John Malkoviching people. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a successful portrayal of that uh, that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, yeah, so that's what she's gonna do. Um, you stop it. Um, you can either kill her uh, or you can trap her in the the void. Yeah. Switch painting, so she ends up in a void tree, yeah. kind of trapped there. Um, actually, you know, in a weird way, and like the canon ending, I want to say is that she dies because, or that we think that she died mm-hmm. uh, as it as she gets resurrected in Dishonored Two. And you kind of get this idea of uh, Dow does kind of uh, narration during this whole thing kind of explains his motivations for this is that like, you know, Dow reforms, mm-hmm. you know, and he does that in, in Dishonor 2 or in Dishonor 1 when you run into him. Yeah. You know, he realizes he's like, I, you know, killing for money like this is shallow and awful and like I don't, you know, I, I can be better than this. So mm-hmm. this is kind of him uh, repenting. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I forgot to make a note of the actual ending of this, which is Dow does reform like he's he wants to set this right because he's seen what his actions have done, kind of just being a, a blunt instrument as an assassin. And so yes. with, with 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 all of this settled, you know, nobody will know um, what Delilah tried to do because of because of how well uh, Dowd has kind of taken care of things. Uh, we kind of flash forward to the confrontation between Corvo and Dowd in the flooded district during the timeline of Dishonored One. And we see a little bit of that fight from from Dowd's perspective. And it's left ambiguous whether or not um, Corvo would have would have killed him or spared him. Like, that's up to you when you play the actual game. Well, it, I, if I recall, and that you probably remember better than I do, but I thought in The Knife of Dunwall, um, Corvo kills him if you were doing Knife of Dunwall high chaos and spares you if you did it low chaos no no corvo doesn't no? appear okay. until the end of brigmore witches gotcha yeah um well, i meant uh, uh brigmore witches rather yes um so the, the um yeah it's yeah, it's, so le- it's left ambiguous um at least it gotcha. was for me on my save file i don't know if it interacts with save files like if it looks to if see it what remembers you did. what you did yeah and i would yeah. i i kind of prefer it being left ambiguous like okay well, me too it, 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 it cuts away like just that this doesn't matter too much right now Dowd's story is over like do you you know what <laughs> what do you hope corvo would have done and you know what did you already do based based on what you know right you know and does it does it make you reflect differently on what you actually did right and you got to doubt um, the reason this is important to Dishonored 2 um, is that it introduces Delilah. 
um, introduces Delilah, introduces uh, that, hey, you know, we know about Dowd and Corvo. They have this relationship with the overseer. The outsider. There's this whole other kind of magic, or the outsider, rather. Um, there's this whole other kind of magic that mm-hmm. is different than Granny Rags, different than, uh, uh, you know, what we've seen before. And there's this person out there that wants this kind of revenge. Right. So, you know, on one hand, using the same antagonist feels a little bit like this would have been a fine short story. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, that took care of Delilah. And now we have something different. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I really like Delilah. Yeah. As an antagonist, like she's not. Uh, first of all, like her fashion game is absolutely on fleek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, like second, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I, I have a lot of sympathy for her or anything. I just think it's the kind of theming and evocativeness of her powers and her kind of having this coven mm-hmm. and getting seanced back into existence and like mm-hmm. all of these things I just think are cool. Uh, you know, so it's not so much. She's like, as I don't think she's as good a character as doubt is mm-hmm. or as good a character as, as, as you know, maybe I would want. Yeah. But she, I think she's really, really cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's so it just kind of works for me. She, she, she's great. I like her as, as the major antagonist of, of, of a shorter thing. One of my, big mm, a point that works in favor of dishonored one is the fact that there's really not that there, there's really no main antagonist like there's one chancellor kind of guy who's leading who's leading the uh, uh the conspiracy but most of the story is about the conspiracy itself and the mechanism that has been that has been put in place to usurp the throne like that right. is cool and the fact that just the the, the antagonism is decentralized works more for me personally than an entire game with one godlike being who I am, who I'm working against and, you know, a, a small retinue of her, of, of, of her puppets. So like that, that, that's kind of where I stand on Delilah as she is effective in either a shorter experience or a larger one. Um, but I agree. She is incredibly, um, you know, captivating as the supernatural villain i just don't know if the series needs or warrants that it's like the way that number two articulates so when we say she's the antagonist like it actually articulates very similar to the first one where you are dismantling a conspiracy mm-hmm. you know like there is there we find out about this coup and then you go and you see the different agents that contributed to it mm-hmm. and how they contributed to it and you you address them uh kind of in turn so mm-hmm. i think in our in articulation it actually ends up very similar um, the thing that Dishonored One did that was different was actually have the switch where it, you think it is the uh, the guy who took over the empire, but it's actually the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit for it's like one step further decentralized. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like every episode, you know, every every mission ends with, you know, Delilah cackling and escaping. Yeah. In her Delilah mobile in the plant in the in the plant copter at the end. <laughs> uh, in a plant copter. You said Delilah mobile and like I thought it was gonna be like just a, a car made out of her old used husks. Yeah. <laughs> the uh or or the, the mobile she puts up for her baby of her used, oh. old used husks. Um <laughs> that was so obviously adorable and awful. It would be uh, well. She's a, she's a compli- she's twisted. Yeah, her worldview is a little yeah, skewed. It's a yeah. It's a it's a skewed look. It's a fractured look at uh... a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it since it articulate like I agree with you. But yeah. since it articulates the same way, mm-hmm. I also enjoyed learning about these yeah. individual agents. Yeah. Of of the coup, a lot. Oh, true. You yeah. know. Yeah. It's, um, it's, and their it's personality infects their levels a lot more than it does yeah. in Dishonored One, which so in that way the antagonist in Dishonored Two. It's actually a strength of them. So like on a narrative perspective, I agree with you Mm -hmm. from a game perspective. I think that having these individuals with their kind of strong theming Mm -hmm. 
is better. Yeah, it's still there and it works incredibly well. I think what the where it falls down for me is mystery and that is that is a problem, you know, it's a result of uh, you know of them reusing the antagonist. Like yeah. this DLC it, it's really great because you are actually trying to solve okay, you're you're given the one word Delilah and the entire thing is about learning who she is, right? And Dishonored One, it was about okay, figuring figuring out how far up this the, the, this the, the, this thing goes. There's not a tremendous sense of mystery in in Dishonored Two, and I know that we're getting into you know this is this is kind of bleeding over into a into a series wide discussion. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I think Delilah works amazing here because the entire thing is figuring out what her deal is. When I, I, yeah yeah. Like, I, I agree with that. And that's what when I say that she is better here narratively, mm-hmm. okay. like that's part yeah. of what I mean. You yeah. know, okay. I just think as, as something you're going to design a game around, like she her straight, she has strengths more than her weaknesses. God damn you know, it, Gary. That, why do you why do you why do you agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a show where we always agreeing with each other because <laughs> uh, some some mean iTunes review. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> like, but but gameplay wise, like I think she brings a lot to the table that like another conspiracy wouldn't because right. that would be entirely guards and, and overseers. Yeah. You know, so uh, I mean, but same thing. This could have been my needs could have been filled by a third supernatural thing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that would have been like, give me an ice witch, you know, <laughs> and then and then like, you know, that would that would have been. That's that your solution to every problem is an ice switch. <laughs> I love ice switches. That's the main character in Tyranny too. Like I, I, ice switches are my thing right now. Yeah. You're the ice switch. Um, but like, so I would have liked a, a third supernatural threat too. Yeah. They say Emily was born to wear a crown on her head. But all her young life some wanted her dead. She seemed it too soon. Oh, that's what they said. For too long, the streets would run red. Life was not easy for our sweet impress. As a leader of men, she worked hard to impress. But her trees and packs had little success. And her skies turned dim, and we lived in distress. A coup, a coup, what is it to you? A feast or a famine, a nail or a screw. A dude from the south. Um, so back, moving on to Dishonored 2. Uh, <laughs> Dishonored 2 takes place about 15 years after the events of Dishonored 1, uh, with Emily Caldwin on the throne, her father, Corvo Otano, retaining his job as the royal protector. Mm-hmm. Um, however, kind of moonlighting, training her to be, uh, to fight. Like, if you do the mm-hmm. tutorial, it is an, an inversion of the hide-and-seek kind of game. Oh, nice. Uh, from the beginning of Dishonored 1, where uh, Corvo kind of walks around and you play as Emily, and learn the basics of stealth and, and combat. Yeah, uh, I didn't do the the tutorial. That is a that that, that is a cool detail that I missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So looking at this, uh, looking at this year, uh, it was never really outright stated in Dishonor One that Corvo was Emily's father. No, no, like, no that wasn't like, what yeah. that game was about. <laughs> Weirdly, like the two. So Dishonor Two kind of confirms a bunch of kind of fan theory stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, one, that Corvo is uh, Emily's father. Uh, two, that the heart is uh, Empress Caldwin's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two kind of big things that were confirmed Yeah. Uh, in this. Yeah. So this uh, this game moves the action um, out of Dunwall, the capital city, 
um, you know, since the plague is pretty much all taken care of, um, and down to the southern city of, of Karnaka, which, uh, which is Corvo's hometown, um, and is also uh, kind of modeled after the southern European, uh, southern European cities uh, in Greece, Italy, and Spain. So it's a, it's, it's kind of a different architecture, a different vibe down there. Yeah, I, it felt really greasy to me, like Greece esque. <laughs> yeah, you know, partly that's the name, and then uh, that's how I, I thought about it. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, it's and it's not another city of it's another city of the country. It's mm-hmm. another country of the empire. There we go. Yeah. Um, it's 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 Arcono. So just because that kind of imperialism uh, ends up becoming a theme mm-hmm. to this, like it's important. The idea that Dunwall is this empire uh, or the the capital uh, of this empire um, and that empire being mismanaged is actually a big reason why this came to be. Right. Um, you know, so the people who the, you know, the rulers of Dunwall are not let off the hook in this game. No. Um, the big kind of gameplay addition to this, other than the minor ones, is the ability to play as either Emily or Corvo. Uh, each one comes with their own unique powers, which are suited to different styles of play, even though, of course, they are flexible. Yes. Um, so Emily is a little bit more su- suited to stealth, and Corvo is a little bit more suited to fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we should probably talk about those powers because, or at least the way they, the ways they can work together. I listed them out in the notes. So we don't have to go through them by, uh, through, through them individually, but some of them are pretty cool and do and- go ahead. I mean, we probably should, given that you can get them in any order. Yes. So there's true. not going to be like a place in the level where like, now you get dark vision. It does this. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so Corvo still comes with Blink, um, which works just like we uh, just like we know and love. Um, you know, it is uh, it is Nightcrawler Bamfang. Right. And you can upgrade it to be like Dowd's Blink. So you can stop time. You also have the uh, the bend time power. Uh, which lets you um, slow down time and then stop it uh, on an upgrade. And then also an upgrade lets you uh, control how it advances. So yes. it takes that turn-based kind of kind of idea and gives you even more power over uh, kind of controlling uh, patrol routes. Yes. Uh, and that, that was in Dishonored 1. Okay. As well. That's not a, a DLC power. You could stop time in Dishonored 1. Okay. Um, slow down or, or stop time. Um, Dark Vision is a power that they share between them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Emily has this as well. Um, but now it works a little bit differently. Um, you kind of see in these these pulses, um, it can also show uh, vision cones of enemies. So you get a little bit of Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. uh, action there. And then uh, you get precognition, so you can actually show patrol patrol routes, mm-hmm. um, which is, if you're doing stealth, is ridiculously OP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is uh, uh, an amazing thing to have, um, even if you're... Uh, even if you're doing lethal, like it lets you set up um, at like yes. a, a hotline Miami order of operations yeah. uh, as you go in. Um, so Corvo has two really powerful uh, combat abilities. Uh, wind blasts is just an area of effect skill. Like you just blow people over. It's like force push almost. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool one is uh, devouring swarm since, uh, since Corvo, he did his time with the rats. Well, now he can just uh, Pied Piper these little buddies around with him and uh, have them kill people and eat bodies. The, uh, the playthrough <laughs> I did for the, the show this time, I did lethal Corvo. Um, I played as like a rat lord, like very rat focused. And with all the rat upgrades, you get two huge swarms that will follow you around the city, uh, which is amazing because somebody comes around a corner and then they yell at you, you know, to stop or whatever. (laughs) And then just literally you're just, you know, it's 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 very, uh, you know, it's obvious. This is this is me taking uh, some base joy and violence 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's something just kind of cool about walking <laughs> around with a posse of rats. Yeah. <laughs> that do your bidding. Like, with, with these little furry land piranhas. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they are just, you know, and rats are, they were a, a gameplay mechanic since they carried the plague uh-huh. in a Dishonored 1. There are fewer of them around now. Right. They're still around, but you, you know, you bring your own, it's a BYOR party. <laughs> so... Like yeah. a lot of the rats are void rats. Yeah. And, uh, oh, <laughs> and also, okay, uh, rat rats are another kind of familiar uh, or representation of the outsider. Like oh, he's, yeah. he's aligned with the with the whales and rats. Yes. Um, and the uh, the another thing is you can get uh, there are white rats. There always were albino things, and albino is another mark of the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a bone charm that lets you eat white rats to get mana back. Mm-hmm. So this power power became more or less free for me. Uh, the rats would would attack a guard, and then I would come over and just crouch down and join in the feast, eating the the white rats. <laughs> so, uh, and wait, so you were laundering you, you were laundering the human meat? One hundred percent. Like <laughs> all my dreams have come true in the world of Dishonored too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, you know, this is a really really cool power. It more or less is just an instant kill, right? Um, but it's it's kind of cost prohibitive, so you know that's how it's balanced, right? Um, um this final power is one that i ended up really using i didn't do a complete corvo playthrough because the playthroughs are very similar um mm-hmm. you know uh, aside from approaches like the actual missions don't don't really change a lot depending on who you're playing as uh but possession is a lot of fun yeah because you can hop for a ride and small animals and eventually humans um and you get these upgrades that let you chain so like you can progress through large swaths of any given level um just by kind of body jacking people yeah. And, uh, you know, they have different kinds of abilities. So rats, you know, you could possess in the first one and, and are fine in humans eventually mm-hmm. um, here. And I think you can possess dogs in the first one, but maybe there are more dogs now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can possess these wolfhounds uh, where you can move at really blinding speed and you can possess blood flies, which allow you to fly. Yeah. Uh, and that's rat. Yep. <laughs> um, so we, we will talk about blood flies. They are a major mechanic. Yes. Uh, well. um, yep. Emily's powers are kind of more associated with shadow uh, to the point where uh, a, a good deal of them just involve her turning into the darkness from the darkness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Except the voice acting is somehow better. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, we don't need to take more shots of Michael Patton. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, her powers, uh, according to, you know, uh, Harvey, Harvey Smith. So like there's the time space powers, which are, are Corvo and Dowd. Um, the plant-based powers of Delilah and Emily's powers are supposed to uh, kind of shadow her her rule or kind of echo the way uh, you might rule. So they deal with influence. Um, they deal with kind of, uh, you know, ruling from the shadows and deal with uh, bringing people together. Hmm. Um, and you can kind of see that that's, you know, it's really kind of neat the way they express those ideas. Yeah. Um, so her, her version of Blink uh, is Far Reach, um, where she grows like a big tentacle like it's a lot like venom too oh yeah, uh, yeah. like venom or the darkness or a pro- um, prototype even yeah 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 uh and this is just kind of a, a thwip like she grabs something and pulls herself forward mm-hmm. um with it yeah um i haven't done like tests to compare like effective ranges um uh, <laughs> but like it's it doesn't feel as satisfying because you have to find an anchor point for a lot of this so you are yeah. very uh very spider man-y it just feels a little bit loosey-goosey to me um, even though this does have added utility, like you can draw items and you can upgrade to, uh, to disable enemies. So you can do like these Kano grabs to, you know, put people to sleep. Yeah. Get over here. <laughs> yeah. Like Scorpion. Yeah. The, the, um, the, that's the balance factor. Cause it, yeah. you do have to have that anchor. So it's a little bit worse than blink. Um, but the balance is, you know, it has that, those extra things. Um, and it's really, I think they do have the same range. I think it's just the anchor point. Okay. Because with dishonor, with uh, blink, you can kind of, uh, jump up and blink over. And end up above things, which you'll then be able to mantle to yeah. that maybe you wouldn't be able to get to otherwise. 
Um, here, uh, not so much. So you're a little bit less mobile uh, with Emily with this power, which like if I had to come up with a version of Blink that wasn't Blink, mm-hmm. you know, I guess this is about as good as you can do. Yeah. You know, I don't know what how else you'd do it, but the uh, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. You can also use this to uh, uh, to kind of manage your your momentum as well because you're pulling yourself from a place to yeah. a place. Like you can you can leave a far reach and uh, kind of use that to boost speed. Yeah. Yeah. And you can you can do all kinds of cool shit with this. There's a really cool YouTube video uh, out there that I watched. That's uh, 80 ways to kill Karen Jindosh. Yep, I love that. Video. And, uh, yeah. Um, and they they do a lot of cool stuff with with far reach that i wouldn't have thought of yeah yeah um so dark vision is the same so see above listen to that mesmerize is uh is 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 pretty good i didn't get a lot of utility out of it um but uh this uh opens up kind of a tear in the void and will basically show guards whatever they want to see um mm-hmm. and it will distract them you can you can set it up to i think distract up to like four people and it will draw them but uh i had a lot of trouble not getting detected right off of the back of this mm. Um, yeah, I, d- I didn't use it uh, actually in game. I played with it um, a little bit in New Game Plus mm-hmm. to kind of see it. It creates like a crystalline entity. Yeah, um, it's it's really kind of weird and interesting. But this is just so you can you can create kind of attention traps. Yeah, it's like dropping the uh, the porno mag in yes. um, Metal Gear Solid. Yes, um, her kind of uh, my favorite power that she has uh, is Domino, um, which changes the fates of multiple people. So you connect their heads uh, to each other. <laughs> Um, and then anything that happens to one of them happens to all of them. Right. And, uh, this is really obviously really good for doing, you know, drop knockouts or, or choking people out, but it works with like things. If you mix and match powers, which you can do in new game plus, it works with wind blast. Mm-hmm. It works with anything that you do to any of these people. So like there's all kinds of cool shit you can do, <laughs> uh, is, is my point. You can throw, you know, if you knock out or if you knock out one of them and throw them off the lake, they'll all kind of fly a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amusing. I, uh, I I just the reason I laugh there is in my head I had the idea of using uh, <laughs> using Domino along with possess so you Domino four people in and then you possess so it one of them. Inside. <laughs> well, although it becomes like split screen. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like wait a minute, why is it a four up split screen? That's weird. I, I seen... haven't seen Domino possession, but I bet you it work. Um, I need, I should play long enough in in New Game Plus because yeah. when you do New Game Plus, you just get all you get. Here's fifty five runes to spend. Yep, <laughs> like it's it's pretty rad. Um, I should try Domino Possession because that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that that's not an actual thing. I was just laughing at a hypothetical. I don't know what it would actually do. It might it might work. I I'm, yeah. I didn't think of that, so I didn't uh, didn't try it. Yeah. Um, so there are two more here. Shadow Walk, which turns you invisible-ish. It makes you it makes you dim. Um, this is themed as you turning into like a shadow monster. You never really see what it is, but you can see your kind of forearms dragging you along. Uh, people will still see you if you get near them. You have you you, you still have to uh, uh, be stealthy, but it just reduces your detectable range. Yes, and that's the the, the big reason why she is so stealth focused. Mm-hmm. Other yeah. two things, um, doppelganger is not a stealth thing. No. Um, this creates a, a duplicate of yourself. Um, similar, this is a power that. Uh, uh, well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say Dowd has this, but he's actually just beaming in people right. when you do the Dowd version. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, you create a shadow version of yourself uh, that will flee from guards, draw their attention, or fight. Um, I didn't know how to control them to get them to do things. Um, I use this in my Emily playthrough, but they always fought. Yeah. So I think you have to upgrade to get them to fight. Otherwise, they just flee. That might be what it is. I yeah. just bought all the upgrades yeah. for it because I think it's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, you eventually can get two of them, um, and uh, you can do a lot of cool tricks with this. Uh, you can drop attack them to avoid all fall damage. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if you if you put one on the ground, you can do that. <laughs> you can use um, it as a as an Assassin's Creed hay bale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you can uh, so you can uh, upgrade to where you can switch places with them. Um, it is really really good for for combat if you're fighting if you get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, so this is a this is a pretty cool power. Yeah, I didn't end up using this because Emily was my was my low chaos like very tentative stealth uh, kind of playthrough, and um, when I tried this. It just added too much unpredictability to situations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're trying not to get seen, this is, you know, yeah, not that's... good for that. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. there are other kind of uh, those are the new powers. There are some other new kind of additions. Um, if you are playing non-lethally, you can now do non-lethal drop attacks, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. Uh, you couldn't do that before when in this hundred one, which made it much harder Yeah, to play non-lethally. Yeah, so you can walk around. It makes it just easier to be Mr. Sandman and uh, pile people up in dark corners. Yes. Yep. Which I like doing. Uh, The chaos system is back, um, except this time, instead of, you know, increasing the rat population, uh, we have blood flies. Uh, Gary, blood flies horrify me. Oh, they're my fave. Like this, this is maybe my favorite, like individual thing about this game. Like it's effective. Like it turns, it turns these, these abandoned hovels into survival horror things for me because I cannot stand a B like things and definitely cannot stand, uh, um, Oh gosh, hives. Yeah. No. Well, and hives, hives are made out of, uh, paper mache made with blood. Yep. You know, essentially like these things are so good. Mm-hmm. Like this is such a good creation. <laughs> um, cause like rats, like we all know what rats are. Yeah. Like we, we just had a huge snowstorm in Portland. It thawed out. I've seen some dead rats, like, <laughs> you know, but blood flies are like next level shit. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Well, well, they're also like the, the, the they're the size of uh, I, I don't know small dogs. It yeah, it's like, like softballs. Yeah, you know, like they're huge. That swarm noise. Mm-hmm. Um, the way my most impressive thing to me about blood flies is the way that when you actually accidentally disturb a swarm mm-hmm. or on purpose do it, when they're swarming around you, you your character flailing mm-hmm. matches your what you're doing in real life. Yep. Of just kind of wildly flailing on the controller in the same way that I would if I was attacked by a bunch of bees. <laughs> yep. Um, I just, I just love it. I just love yeah. it so much. It's really cool for, uh, like a clean hands, like achievement, or if you don't want to, uh, murder anybody, if you lead them into a blood fly nest, it doesn't mm-hmm. count against you. I'm <laughs> just, you know, um, it, it's the, uh, but yeah, the way, and this as an expression of, so like in dishonored one, if you played more chaotically and you ended up with more rats, like, okay, there are more rats. Like those aren't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this infest buildings that would otherwise not be infested. Right. So it's not just, you know, hey, there are some more rats. Hey, here's an entire, like, alternate pathway that is now incredibly hazardous. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea of kind of balancing the difficulty of high and low chaos, because it's generally easier to play high chaos. You have more toys to play with, yeah. um, essentially. Um, but because I like the way that Bloodfly Nests look mm-hmm. so much, like, it is such a creepy, creepy image. Yeah. Um, I The more Bloodfly Nests, the better. Like, yeah. I am way into... Bloodfly Nation. <laughs> well, I just uh, I, the thing that really works about them for me. I'm I've, I've kind of got my tongue in my cheek. They they do make me uncomfortable to my very core. Um, but just the, the 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 societal impact of these things, like the way that entire buildings will be will be cordoned off, and then you have people talking about it around it. Um, mm-hmm. Huge signs up for warning, and you have people who uh, who are looking at like getting in there to, to to loot the place. Like that is an incredibly interesting impact on the environment that the you know that that pinning this chaos to particular locations um mm-hmm. i like that, that that that's a great result of that 
the um there's an ecology to them like mm-hmm. you find people who are raising them because in their nest the blood can solidify into an amber that's valuable mm-hmm. so you find people who are literally raising these things yeah. <laughs> uh and that's like it's just it's it's very neat yeah um uh, a, a little flavor thing these are not like supernatural uh beings they're native to karnaka and Circonos. Um, yeah. you know, like if you, if you play as Corvo, he will remark on kind of hunting those down as a kid, but like the infestation tendency is something that, you know, is, uh, really heightened now because of Duke Luca. It's also, um, the idea that it shows how much Karnaka has gone to seed Yeah, as with the current Duke, yeah. you know, it, it is something that like, it's always been a problem, but now it is worse than it's ever been. And you'll mm-hmm. have NPCs talking about that you know, kind of, kind of around, um, they're, they're fantastic to use for possession. So you, <laughs> you can get onto roofs, you know, that would be otherwise very hard to get onto if you can fly. Um, they're, they are associated with, uh, Delilah, I want to say. So the, her magic, the way that rats are associated with the outsider, mm-hmm. um, Delilah's kind of perversion of the void is associated with blood flies. Hmm. Um, in that just, uh, this is from like, which dialogue when you, uh, go to the conservatory okay and their their wings kind of taken over um you also there's a really really fantastic uh bone charm you can get that makes the first bullet shot at you and any encounter turn into a blood fly <laughs> and the guards reacting to trying to shoot you in a blood fly coming out of their gun and turning on them <laughs> is like one of the coolest things in this game yeah i never found that one that's pretty good <laughs> um we'll, we'll talk about bone charms it's, yeah. it's largely unchanged from the last one even though there's a whole crafting yeah yeah uh, thing um so it's it's really really good um, the chaos system is more robust in kind of every way. So mm-hmm. um, in the first game, which was rightly criticized for uh, kind of being an all or nothing thing, um, if you kill 20% of the people in the level, you're a good guy. If you kill 80% of the people in the level, you're a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this people uh, have kind of shade to them. Right. So you can use the heart. You can get an item uh, You where if you want to RP this hard, which I, I don't, mm-hmm. um, but you can test people and see if they are good or bad. Um, there are a lot of real shitheads in the, in the Grand Guard, mm-hmm. um, but there are some good people as well. Right. Um, there, there are good civilians and bad civilians. And your chaos rating actually takes us into account. Right. Yep. Which is uh, which is good. Um, yes. I like I like that nuance and shade. It's just another stat that individual people have. But, it, it, you know, what I what I noticed was, you know, even though I wasn't killing people as I was taking stock, it's like, oh, they're cre- they're like creating either higher resistance or lower resistance routes for if you, you know, if you do need to kill somebody, you can decide to take this uh, to take this route filled with shitheads. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, the, it's the, another avenue for uh, for kind of an encounter in space design. Yeah. And it, it does, it plays into some of the very strong theming of Dishonor 1, even though Dishonor 2 doesn't have a strong kind of theming, um, in that uh, player, will you put up with more uh, unsatisfying or sometimes more challenging or sub-opt- otherwise suboptimal play in order to adhere to a moral code in your head? Mm-hmm. And it gives you another tool for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, the, a lot of the parts of the game don't support kind of that part of, of Dishonored One's theming. Like, you can listen to that episode. Nobody needs to hear me go through that whole thing again. Yeah. But um, you can you can listen to that episode about that. Parts of this game don't support that. Um, 
I think on the whole, like this is a less whole game, but I think it's better designed. Yeah. So it may be a better game, but it's not as thematically sound. And this right, is part right. of it is the, the changes to the chaos system. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to make a note of the bone charm crafting thing. So we should probably talk about it. That's a skill that you can get. You can burn a rune in order to unlock this. Um, and you can disassemble different bone charms that you get to get like elements of new bone charms that you can put together. Yes, uh, it's pretty robust, actually. Um, it requires a lot of buy-in, but you'll eventually get that out yeah. of it uh, because you can break down useless runes into whale bones, which you eventually you can make into, or break down useless bone charms mm-hmm. into whale bones, which you can eventually make into runes. Yeah. So if you put your points in this, you'll get them back. It's just kind of a delay. Um, but it can be extremely powerful because you get the ability to stack uh, elements. Mm-hmm. So if you find a bone charm, uh, bone charms are random minor upgrades yeah they're like uh, small little perks you can put off yes uh, and there are black bone charms which are the good ones mm-hmm. like the very strong ones and then corrupted ones which are good pretty good things but have a downside yeah and uh these kind of small perks you eventually can get the ability to stack them up so like i did one that let me move faster when i was crouched mm-hmm. and if you stack up three of those you i moved faster crouched than i did uh walking <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't so faster like, to run, like a crab but... scuttling yeah, I walked, I moved around like a little little void crab, actually. Uh, Chuck Tingle would, would be a guest. The, um, but uh, yeah, so you can you can do a lot of cool stuff with this system. I love that it's super optional. Hmm? Like nobody stops and says like, here's your tutorial on how to do crafting. Like, yeah. it's just a skill you can buy if you want to fuck around with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very powerful, but it requires some investment. Yeah. I could see it being much more much much more useful on a second playthrough. Honestly, it was more than I wanted to deal with um, when I was just learning the uh, lear- learning the spaces. I I ended up buying into it full full on on my first playthrough, oh. um, and it was was pretty good. Part of that was because I wanted to. So what they you, when you combine runes, if you don't stack them up, you just save space. Mm-hmm. You know, you you combine three of them onto one slot. Okay, and I wanted as much of that stuff as possible. Yeah, uh, you know, just because I was going for an optimal playthrough. Um, so, but yeah, either either or. Like, it's not when we when I say it's a lot of buy in, it's a lot of kind of time and punting down those runes that you would spend for the skill down the road. Yeah, um, it's not too, it's not actually complicated though. Mm-hmm. Um, you get it more or less right away. Yeah. So. Yep, and you get those raw materials by using the heart again, uh, like Dishonored One, to help you locate either runes or bone charms, which yes. you want to do anyway because they're going to be placed. Um, along your path and the ones that are not on your path will take you into cool new environments uh, with different kind of uh, kind of situations to solve. Yes. Um, uh, Another kind of a fair criticism of this game. Some people don't like that because it just kind of creates a a laundry list of places to visit. Yes. Um, You don't have to use it. Uh, You're the game will give you a message when you're kind of in the same, you know, two room radius Mm -hmm. of them. So you can just kind of sweep a level and you'll find everything more or less. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And then at the end, just take out the heart and double check. So if this feels too constrictive to you, if you'd rather kind of make your own way through, mm-hmm. um, you can do that. You can also, uh, on my second playthrough, or on my, uh, not my on my non-lethal playthrough that I didn't actually quite finish yet, mm-hmm. um, since I was doing going non-lethal, I would go through the main way and kind of accomplish the goal of the level mm-hmm. and then find everything on my way back. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, that worked as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the game is really conscientious about giving you those interface controls as well. Like you can turn waypoints on or off. Um, you can decide not to uh, n- not to use the heart to locate those things. Like you, you know, it's it's pretty much like a like a Sunday bar. You you pick what you mm. want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, technically, Arcane moved away from Unreal Engine three to build its own proprietary Void engine. So just gutted it and made their whole new thing. Uh, this makes the game look really good 
um, especially on the new hardware. Uh, but it did introduce a little bit of uh, instability, which affected the PC a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on PS4, it works fine. So I, I can't really speak to it. It doesn't mean those PC problems are not a problem. I just yeah. I can't speak to it. Um, it's still getting updates. Desire 2. So um, a patch in December, add New Game Plus and kind of customizable difficulty. Um, New Game Plus owns yeah. in this game. Uh, replaying with all of your powers and being able to mix and match powers between Corvo and Emily mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so good on them. That's what I want. Um, yeah. Um, there will be, I'm sure, a DLC yeah. uh, to this as well. Uh, the end of it kind of really hints that, oh, there's, we're going to play as Billy Lurk. You know, <laughs> like it kind of, I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I'm eagerly awaiting it. Me too. Okay, uh, with all of that uh, <laughs> kind of preamble, uh, let's get into it. We're not going to do a summary of the plot. Um, we, we don't really do that anymore. <laughs> we, we, we just bring it up so we can dismiss the idea of doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like it's either set up or it's, uh, you know, the, the, the plot is simple enough that we can that we can approach it without or approach it separate from the play by play. Yeah, it would be the plot as was set up in the in the manual. Yeah. If it was like a less narratively focused yes. kind of thing. Um, but for us, we're going to go ahead and hit the ground uh, running here. We know who the, the principal players are. Yes. Yeah. Um, for With chapter one, a long day in Dunwall. Yeah. So the intro of the game has you playing as Emily, no matter who you end up deciding to play as, uh, kind of walking in and getting ready to preside over this anniversary ceremony. For some reason, they celebrate the anniversary of uh, of Jessamine Caldwell's uh, assassination, which is which is weird. Yeah, she even says it's weird. Yes. She says, why do we why do we celebrate this? <laughs> but it, it it makes us it's like Remembrance Day or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, like uh it would it, it makes a, a kind of sense. And uh there's some kind of heavy exposition here between uh her and her father, um, until they're actually receiving and you get the idea that they are going to uh you know, this is maybe par for the course for this day, is that maybe there's some kind of uh, festivities they receive uh, the Duke of Sarkaros, uh, <laughs> who kind of comes in with his mechanical sir. Yep, that wasn't very good, but his mechanical soldiers. Sometimes I can do a good Duke, um, <laughs> yeah. but he kind of it's Vincent D'Onofrio who sounds like he uh, just sucked out the like like you sucked out the inside of a tomato, <laughs> and then you just took the skin and he's just chewing on it the entire time he's talking. Yep, like just yeah, he, oh. he he's he's in full on. I want some sugar water. Yeah, mode. yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh it's unreasonable. Like the kind of the voice talent in this game that is like not doing, doing their a game here. It's, it's just, he's like, so over the top, but I don't know. Like it works for me because, because he is a ridiculous figure. He's, 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 he's grotesque. He's, yeah. He's a grotesque walrus man. <laughs> because then I think in the, uh, an email I described him to you as wet Nixon. Yep. <laughs> so he's, he's just wet Nixon. <laughs> Yeah. And if your empire don't got no wet Nixon, your empire could use some fixing. Is the thing. <laughs> yep. so, <laughs> oh, it's a very long bumper sticker. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those NASCAR window decals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so he comes in. An- another weird bit of uh, just kind of strange casting. Sam Rockwell plays uh, yeah. <laughs> your first t- your first target, like the guy who's who's on the inside, like who 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 let him in. Like Sam Rockwell, a, a tremendous actor. I love his work. Why does he have this bit part? It's very small. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a very small amount of, of voice acting here. So, um, and he and he does a, a fine job. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he's he's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's kind of weird that he's not a bigger part like you say yeah 
Um, but, uh, but, but he comes rolling in saying like, Hey, I, you know, I've come to make this demonstration first check out. I my... brought you the gift of family. Yep. He says, uh, and yeah. he, he's got these impressive, uh, these impressive, uh, mechs straight out of thief two and thief three. Um, and also, you know, he's got this, uh, he'll get like a, like a sedan behind him and out comes Delilah, our good old friend back from the void. Yes. And, uh, you know, Corvo is obviously, you know, as the head of, of security in a way, um, hey, I didn't clear this. Like people are, you know, are not acting like this is normal, mm-hmm. you know, but quickly since Delilah is now close enough, she quickly takes over. Right. Uh, she says, you know, uh, the Duke, uh, says like this is, she is Jasmine's sister. Mm-hmm. So therefore she's the rightful heir to the throne. And, uh, they, uh, who you, at this point, uh, they kind of resist, you know, Corvo does some cool powers, kills some people. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, great to see Corvo killing people from third person. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the beginning of X-Men 2. Like anybody using a teleport in an action scene is going to win my heart. Oh, yeah. Um, but Delilah has just turned this into a plant nightmare and <laughs> killed all the loyal guards. And uh, Corvo and Emily kind of go back to back. And it's just like, and this is your character select. Yeah. You know, uh, which one Which one should you do? Oh, and before this happens, uh, Corvo gets his powers taken out. Yes, she. Uh, 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 Delilah draws out his Mark of the Outsider. Yeah, which, you know, what the fuck, lady? <laughs> yeah. Um, she even remarks, like, ooh, how long have you hidden this from everybody? Like, yeah. you know, Corvo Corvo has a reputation for being incredibly competent, but the idea that he is rolling with these forbidden outsider powers um, is uh, is a cool one. Yeah, 100%. Like, the, uh, I read the, uh, the a prequel comic to this mm-hmm. uh, called The Wormwood Deceit, because um, I've been on a real Dishonored kick, and it more or less positions Corvo as Batman. <laughs> and when you start thinking of him that way, it makes like a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like at night, he goes out and solves Dunwall crimes. Yeah. Uh, but during the day, he is, you know, a, a different, like a regular well, kind of protector. That um that sets this up, too, because one of the reasons why this coup is able to happen, people think that either Corvo or Emily are acting as the crown killer. This uh, this assassin who is going out and killing people who are vocally opposed to uh, to Emily's rule as empress. Yeah, it's kind of a cool plot, actually. You know, yep. if you have a uh, uh, somebody's, you know, political enemies just keep dying, mm-hmm. uh, you're definitely going to assume that it's the uh, the, <laughs> the pol- politicians in power. You just look, doing it. look who stands to gain, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so at this point, this is your character select. Yeah. Um, you can choose which character you want. The other <laughs> one is uh, imprisoned in marble um, at this point and kind of, uh, you know, turns into a statue. Yeah. And is taken out of commission. And and stays that way until the very end of the game. Yes, uh, or perhaps forever. Ooh. Um, the uh, so you are sent up to your chambers and kind of locked in um, while they kind of finish this coup. Yeah. So at first I was like, why aren't they just you know executing this person or whatever, or why aren't they just kind of taking care of this? And it's because you know throughout this entire city, like there are probably still loyal guards, mm-hmm. and we see evidence of fighting. Like there are dead people in the streets and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Like. You know, so th- this is there's work to do. Like they're busy. They mm-hmm. stick you in a closet for now. Yeah, not um, if you're playing if you're playing as Emily, uh, not taking into account that you've been trained by Batman. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand why they would block Corvo away because they took his mark. Like ah, they true. think that that's his. You know, that's the entirety of his. Oh, you know, yeah, his of his skill. Yeah, of his steez. Mm-hmm. Um, so they lock you in a room. However, you can get out on and the window. It's you know pretty long drop. Like yeah, window. I'm not going to grow up and crawl on a window ledge. I think <laughs> no. it's. You know, it's a very, uh, but, very impressive view too. like, like Dunwall, like the, the entire, just the entire urban environment of, uh, yeah. of both of these places. Dunwall more so for me personally, but like stepping out and looking out into the harbor and seeing how high up you are. Uh, very impressive. Yeah. 
anytime you can do that uh, in this, you can do that in uh, the Clockwork Mansion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, look out on uh, on Iron Karnaka, and it's really fantastic. Um, the uh, so the idea here is that, uh, and while you're being carried, Mortimer Ramsey uh, is holding you, um, and he talks about uh, you know his his youth, and and he's going to take the signet ring from you. Yeah, because it uh, goes into the kind of the royal panic room and treasury. It is yes. uh, they were low on space and they combined <laughs> returning your panic room back into the computer room. Uh, and, uh, yep, a Lord Protector's gift. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, this this signet ring will uh, act as act as your key, and also yes. you know it, it it marks you as being the uh, as being the rightful ruler, right. So you have your option of how you can take out Mortimer Ramsey. Um, it's it's always best to wait for him to uh, come back into the smaller the smaller place, regardless of if you're going to uh, uh, knock him out or kill him. Yeah, he's out with some some guards. Uh, after you get out, there's also another very minor character who's like a loyal uh, captain of the guard. Yeah, he's killed. That's where you get the sword from and stuff. But she's really underdeveloped and it's kind of weird. Like she's positioned as if she's going to be important and she's not. Right. Um, if you're Corvo, you eventually write about uh, you write a letter to her family. Right. Um, and then get a letter back and it's kind of sweet. Hmm. Um, but as Emily, she doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so you have to make your way out. He's out in the main room with your, with your dad statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but you can kind of set a trap for him. There are little hidey holes and mm-hmm. places to wait for him to come back into a more constrained area. Uh, but when he comes back, he'll come back with people. So you have to kind of take them out one by one if you're doing it non-lethally. Yeah. Uh, the non-lethal, uh, option for this is, is pretty great. Um, you, you lock him in the panic room. It's like, you're not killing him. It's not, it's not actually, uh, you know, taking away his livelihood or his identity. It's as far as non-lethal takedowns go. Uh, it's, it is definitely not as brutal as it could be, but, uh, you can, you can knock him down and then lock him into this place that nobody can get into, but he can survive there for a good long time. And arguably this guy is more kind of culpable than some of the other people. Yes. You know, so like this guy should, you know, if, if there was justice, this guy would get some like bigger piece of the, the shit pie. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately in the end, he ends up getting turned into a statue actually. Yeah. Um, even if you do the non-lethal way, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's got that ironic, you know, he wanted the Royal treasury here, he is, <laughs> but now you can't, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or the other, the, the, we're not gonna talk a lot about the lethal options for these assassination targets because they don't have, special lethal no uh things and that that was the same in the first one like the weird the non-lethal also equates to weird story related yeah, yeah. way to take out take them out they're as susceptible as anyone else so you can also mm-hmm. just stab him yep or uh, set up like lethal. a spring razor trap or any number of ways yeah yeah, yeah. um so you so you, you take him out you lock him in the safe room and you make your way out um you're surrounded by all your treasure you can only take so much with you yeah uh and uh, as corvo you take your your gun and your mask as emily you take a different uh mask um, and you take uh, a different gun. She yeah. actually has a different gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you make your way out into the city. Yeah. And uh, this is further um, kind of tutorial tutorialization uh, that it's having you do, uh, getting you to understand how you will climb up and down uh, rooftops and giving you just kind of uh, situations of increasing complexity. Notably, you don't have your powers um, either as yes. Corvo or as Emily. So this is, you know, uh, very similar to the first mission of the first game. It is just trying to get you to think about this as a regular stealth game before they before they lay on the complexity of having all of these powers and the options that they open up. That, that That's that's definitely the case. Like this actual first stretch here, um, being the part of this game I played the most since I, I dipped into New Game Plus, is really fantastically designed. Yeah. Um, this rooftop thing is literally is specifically uh, telling you how much fall damage you could take. Mm-hmm. So this is giving you an array of different distances that are safe to fall from that are increasing lengths. 
until you get to the final one, which is about as far as you can fall without getting hurt. Yeah. So it's easing you in without telling you how far you can fall. <laughs> um, you get down to the bottom. There is a uh, place where there are, you know, there's guards addressing other guards. Um, you can get down there and get kind of behind this barricade very easily. And from there, um, this is a really neatly designed space, too, because mm-hmm. after that guard's done addressing them, uh, they walk away. Um, you can see from here inside a building where there's a guard with his back to you. Yeah. And it's timed if you make if you reach for that pie because, you know, <laughs> hey, there's a guard with his back to me. Another guard comes up the stairs mm-hmm. and it's timed kind of perfectly. Like I've waited, excuse me, waited varying amounts of time. It makes me think it's triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts coming up the stairs. The way the blocking is is such that he you can get out of the way. Mm-hmm. But it's like doing a really good job of teaching you like situational awareness yeah, uh, to look at these different kind of avenues before you move forward mm-hmm. that, you know, this fruit might not be unguarded, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, um, um, I really love it. Yeah, like, this, this whole this whole area is kind of kind of laid out um, in, in, in a smart way. Like you drop down off of the rooftops into uh, into like a, an intersection almost. It's like a T shape, and you, mm-hmm. you have to you know you can watch the rhythm of where they're going to walk um, down one way or, uh, or or the other, and kind of like see how that rhythm of them covering each other works. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you come down here as Corvo, he has an auditory hallucination of Desired One. <laughs> you hear that like citizens of Dunwall, like announcement of yeah. Corvo being a traitor. And then it fades into the actual guy making the announcement there. Weird. That didn't happen and for me. There are a couple of weird things like that. And um, we'll talk about when we get back to, to dishonor or get back to Dunwall mm-hmm. a little bit later is that there actually is like a strange uh, audio thing that can or cannot happen as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh there are a couple of like weird little kind of glitches. Yeah. Um, so your your goal here is to make your way to the docks because there is uh, the, the, there is a potentially friendly ship uh, that is waiting for you this uh, this the, this dreadful whale, um, yeah. and uh, you know the docks are again full of these merchants who are angry. Uh, the guards are distracted uh, by kind of dealing with uh, with these uh, with these civilians, and this is uh, this whole street is kind of peppered uh, with uh, kind of side routes that you can take as well, uh, like small little uh, alleys where guards will go to smoke. Which are which are end up getting, doing a lot of kind of neat world building in these places. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically, um, if you head off to the right, you can go to uh, a descendant or a relative of Lady Boyle mm-hmm. from the first game, uh, who ran. Uh, it, it looks like a clock shop. I don't think that's actually what it is. Yeah. Um, but this is the scene of the latest Crown Killer murder. Hmm. Um, and you can see uh, <laughs> a guy with a bag on his head, crucified more or less on a thing and guards investigating it. So there's yeah. still like crime investigations going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see like, Oh, this is why, and you can, you know, on the wall, the crown killer is watching all these things that you're ultimately being framed for. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of see that that's really cool. There's a note that kind of explains the crime so far yeah. uh, that people have died. And then if you go off to the left, um, there is a newspaper man. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you manage to get in there without panicking him or getting him killed by the guard, uh, you can explain like, Hey, there's been a coup. I'm going to need you guys when I get back, you know, tell people the truth of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't do anything. I think you get an achievement for it, but it's still kind of a cool detail. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't end up going left like I, I I stuck to the right and pretty much just walked all the way out on the pipe out over the harbor. Mm. <clears throat> there's probably I mean, there's something to be said for bone charms and how they incentivize or bone charms and runes, how they incentivize incentivize level exploration. Yeah, yeah. So kind of pre power. Other than just wanting to kind of see the insides of of buildings mm-hmm. um, and get that flavor, there's not a lot of motivation to to go into these side buildings. Yeah, 
uh, in the first level. Hmm. So you get to the dreadful whale and you pull yourself up and you, when we meet uh, the captain of the ship, uh, Megan Foster, you know, somebody who is operating out of Sirkonos, uh, knows Corvo and uh, is working with Anton Sokolov, the inventor who we worked with. Uh, of that lock. <laughs> yes. Anton Sokolov made yeah. this lock. Yeah. <laughs> of that lock and also all other technology in this, uh, in, in this, in this civilization. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she wants to take you to the south uh, because she needs help rescuing Anton Sokolov. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and takes you off. And this is going to be kind of your uh, your base. Yeah. Um, chapter question mark. Um, a strange visit um, where you wake up, uh, you feel kind of weird, and uh, you go to check the door. I love it when this happens in video games. It's a really oh, yeah. cheap trick that always works on me. But mm-hmm. you go, the door is locked, and we turn around to check for another way. Like there's just like the hallways blasted open into the void. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime that the hallway changes behind me in a video game. Yeah. Into it. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. crazy about it. Uh, yeah. And you and you step out. And this is kind of a different version of the void than it was uh, than we saw in Dishonored 1. Whereas Dishonored 1 was more kind of painterly and colorful. The void here is uh, kind of monochrome and filled with these huge crystalline shards. Uh, yes. It's almost like you're walking around on gigantic bismuth crystals or something like that. Bismuth is a good point of comparison. Yeah. Actually, I think that, that's kind of what it looks well, bismuth like. Bismuth is great. It looks like little alien cities. Yeah, I love, I love bismuth. <laughs> I have a little tiny piece of bismuth. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, there's a really uh, – so then we run into the outsider here. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not voiced by the same guy. The guy who voiced him in the first game turned out to be a Gamergate shithead. Hmm. So good on them for rehiring. <laughs> uh, but I don't necessarily love the new guy. Um, cause he sounds much younger. He sounds a little bit like my shitty teenage dirtbags, Christian Slater impersonation. <laughs> and pretty cold, man. Like he's a little, like he's a little snivelinger. Yeah. And, and, and which is, which is weird because he looks a little bit older. Like he looks like he has aged up along with, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, his voices, they, they've applied a lot of filters, I think, to make the difference in the voices not stand out as much. Um, mm. it, it ended up just being kind of being like a, like a lateral move for me. It didn't stick out. I didn't have an awful lot of, um, you know, affection for the outsider's voice. I liked the general pre- presentation of his character and what he was more than, yeah. more than the way he was, he was voiced. There's a fun line with Corvo. <laughs> like the first thing yeah. he says is of saying, hello. It's like, do I even need to say it? You've gone and lost another empress. Yeah. This keeps <laughs> happening to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at this point he says like, you know, He's getting involved in this in this thing, which is a little bit weird, and we'll find out why. Um, and he offers you powers yeah. at this point. And the really cool thing is you can say, nope. <laughs> like, I, I want to do, you know, so, like, I'm never going to play Dishonored without powers. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems insane to me. But the uh, the idea that you can, I think, is very cool. Yes. Um, you know, for a certain kind of person, this is going to be super rad. And, and we didn't really mention this when we talked about... Um, the powers, but there are also skills that you spend runes on, mm-hmm. um, like things like agility, um, increasing your like berserk meter, which is something that I've played through all these games multiple times. I've never actually understood or engaged with. Yeah. Um, so I can't actually speak to it, but I'm increasing your health, things like that. You still have ways to use your runes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still get bone charms. Yeah. But you can actually refuse blink. And like the idea of playing this game without blink is crazy to me. Yeah. But, but it is know. possible. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's, it's good that they've made it. They've made it an option. It's, you know, kind of that Dark Souls 2 problem of not problem but uh how great the uh the covenant of champions is yeah player selected difficulty yes you know so you can say like <laughs> fuck you outsider i don't want any part of this yeah and, and uh, if, you, yeah. if you do that he gets really upset with you 
the characterization I, I the characterization of the uh of of uh the, the outsider in dishonor one was like oh you know this will be interesting like haha it's a fun game like he gets upset with you because you he he needs you to be as capable as possible because yes. of his motivation for getting involved more directly right now so he is not this agent of chaos who is finding notable people and you know kind of setting them up to do horrible things potentially or testing their morality or just you know looking on dispassionately he is he has a vested interest in you doing as uh in, in you doing well so if you if you refuse this he's not just like surprised and intrigued he's like dude please i need like, you like, yeah like <laughs> think about what you're doing yeah um and keep in mind like it would make sense you know for either character like corvo could be like this is only really brought harm like this mm-hmm. power and the uh uh, Emily, this is essentially their equivalent of a Satan figure. Yeah. Like he's really not, he's more dispassionate than that, but in their religion, mm-hmm. in the national religion of this world, like he is a Satan figure. So yeah, you it know, would make a sense. Worship of the outsider is, is, as outlawed. Yes. Um, but of course you take the powers. Yeah. Um, and so you make your way and you take the powers, you get the heart as well. Um, this is where you kind of learn, uh, the true identity of the heart. Yep. Um, here. Yeah, I and, love this uh, this presentation of the uh, of the void as well because it sets up these little tableaus, these yes. freeze frame uh, kind of dioramas of yes. uh, of things that happened before. And th- those were in uh, Dishonored one as well. Okay, uh, but I, I've always liked them. Yeah, so um, I just I, I feel bad like inaccurately saying stuff is new here. It's been a very long time since I played Dishonored one, so my memory of it is very uh, uh, it is it is not complete. No, it's it's fine. I, I don't. It, that's why I'm here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, and those those appeal to like the freeze frame challenge parts of me that kind of like you know people staying like walking around a frozen moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that looks just kind of is visually appealing and stylish. Yeah. Um. So you get the heart, you get two starter runes, and uh, yeah, you uh, you wake up <laughs> into uh, chapter two, the edge of the world. Yes, the edge of the world. So there are these missions in Dishonored two that are just explore a city. With you have you have a goal of a place that you're going to try and get to, but this is just introducing Karnaka as a place and as an environment, and giving you an opportunity to kind of see the the way things work here. Well, the idea, I mean, that's the the kind of ludic explanation for it. You know, you are still trying to get to the sanitarium. Yes, yeah. It's broken up as a different chapter, but it's just on your way there. And the 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 kind of neat thing about it is that like. Uh, this does kind of function as these little open world things. I talked about this a little bit before, but mm-hmm. these levels are huge. Yeah. You know, this, this is a, uh, this, this game doesn't have quite as many, you know, assassination targets as dishonored one does. It doesn't feel like, um, the levels are so much more dense mm-hmm. though. And so much more wide and deep, um, that, uh, you can, it can support these things where like, yes, you're trying to eventually get to the, the sanitarium. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, this is a cool, interesting place to explore. Like, this is a great first level. Yeah. Like first real level mm-hmm. in, uh, in the game. Yeah. And it's, it's set up a sequence in such a way that like, if you are following your runes, the closest one is actually going to be in the stock of the black market and you go there and yeah. you can, you can buy it and you can check stuff out. You can be, you can appoint yourself with it. Um, well, but... the, it's the first one leads you to that because the, the yes. first one's actually in that whale's mouth. Oh yeah, so there it's actually a, a line of them that go to the black market. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's what I meant. Like it, it draws you there, and then like adjacent to the black market is somebody who will give you a side mission, like to recover yeah. a corpse from 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 the overseers, and the overseer uh, headquarters here is its own kind of separate dungeon. Yep. Yeah, and to get there, you go through a blood fly infestation <laughs> is the easiest way. So this is like 
when I talk about the level design of this game, which I've talked about on other shows, I haven't explicitly said the words in this episode, but mm-hmm. it's some of the best level design I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it is really, really impressive in a way that like I want it to get, you know, commendations. Yes. You know, it is, is this stuff is just very, very good. Mm-hmm. So like that leading you to the black market, teaching you about the black market, teaching, you know, the easiest way to, you don't have to go through the, the gate mm-hmm. through the blood fight den, but that teaches you about that teaches you about the overseer mm-hmm. section. Like, it's very impressive. Yeah. Um, um, and, and like the, like the overseer, like that puts you pretty close to a path into the station, uh, into yes. Adermeyer station that actually, uh, has the security devices, um, and kind of t- teaches you about following the, uh, the power lines for those of you, if you haven't done those yet. And it even it like adds different power sources for these things. So it, it like, it'll draw your attention upward to these windmills that power them as well. Yeah. Because whale <laughs> oil is, we're getting to like a scarcity. Yeah. Of that. Like that's one of the truths that the, this game is starting with is that the whale is oil is actually drying up. <laughs> um, so like going, kind of going into some of these things a little bit more in detail. Yeah. And that's just kind of the overview. But it's really, really impressive the way this game leads you <laughs> uh, through these different elements like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Megan kind of tells you the reason why we're here, um, because the crown killer came for Sokolov. Um, and then absconded to the Adamire Institute, which yeah. is the asylum we were talking about. So we know that's where we get there. Megan's going to give you your, your mission briefings here. Yeah. Um, and mentions a, a character, Hypatia, who is an alchemist who lives there, who will help you if uh, if she can. She's a force for good, mm-hmm. um, works with the uh, the miners and trying to to solve the various uh, kind of things yeah. here. Um, so we know we eventually want to get Sokolov because he's going to help mm-hmm. um, here. Um, the... Uh, you're, this is one of the very few. I wish this game had a little few more of these, but it's one of the few non-hostile uh, areas. Yes, because you are just seeing kind of life on the streets mm-hmm. yeah. of uh, of Karnaka for the uh, the first section of this. Yeah, like you step off of the docks and you immediately see that there's there's blood on the streets from the whales that are kind of being like dragged in um, from the uh, you know from the whaling trade, um, and you have people talking you know talking to you saying like, yeah, this is things are things have been really bad lately you better watch your back they don't they don't know who you are they comment on the fact that you choose to cover your face uh be it with a with a cloth if you're emily or with a mask uh as as corvo but like this area uh under duke luca um is uh is really kind of authoritarian is just not a great place to be at the moment yeah, um, people people are talking about um, like there's a sign on on a message board that is somebody trying to make contact with one of their friends as they they try to get out, mm-hmm. you know, or a friend or family member or a lover. Like people want out. Yeah. Um, as you make your way, you know, to these runes, uh, past the whale, um, and go to the black market, uh, we're kind of introduced to this black market mechanic. Yeah. Um, so every level has a black market. There's these signs on the wall that are straight out of thief that <laughs> tell you uh, how to get to them. That's a that's a commonality that if we didn't say in the in the general section like this, this game takes a lot from a thief or is informed yeah. by 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 some of the stuff from the thief series, which is Absolutely. fine and dandy for me. Yeah, because I because I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, the black market black market people will sell like combinations. Um, they will sell runes generally. Um, one of my favorite touches of the game is that every black market can be broken into. Mm-hmm. And each one is a really cool kind of little puzzle um, <laughs> there. So um, I'm trying to remember. I remember the next one. Uh, this one, I think you just you get the key um, from from a later area, hmm. and I think you just find the key. But you can you can break into this. Um, you can break into all of them. You want to do this mission for him first. He wants you to. Uh, uh, no, I'm thinking of a later black market. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. The, like this the, this this side mission is given to you by Mindy, somebody who's like yes. one room over. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can go to these black markets, resupply if you want to. And this is your kind of motivation for your loop of, you know, roombaying up all the treasure mm-hmm. in the world and doing this exploration. Other than getting runes, you're also going to get valuable items you can sell. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is, and, uh, snacks you can eat. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the little fruits that have, uh, that, that are named after the regions and the vegetables, which are below naming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, they all look really good to me. I would eat a Sarconian plantain. Oh yeah. They look fantastic. They're huge. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why you might want to do this, uh, mission for Mindy, uh, well, first you hate the overseers cause they're shitheads, although not yes. so much in this game, like they're, you, you don't have a lot of basis for understanding their crimes in this one. Uh, but Mindy, uh, who's a local gang leader, she says, oh, you're going to Adermire. I can turn off the tracks so that you can walk there. Or, you know, yeah. I, I can I can de-electrify the tracks so that it'll be easier for you to get to uh, get where you need to go. So you can do the side mission to make it so you don't have to go through the security checkpoint in the station. Yes. Uh, Mindy's pretty rad. Um, she is a member of a gang we're going to see a little bit later and kind of a major player. Um, she's a trans lady uh, oh. and is a, a tattoo artist. Um, there's a lot of cool character to her that you kind of have to hunt down. But yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it was it's been confirmed. Um, and there are hints of it, though, if you use the heart. Okay. On her is how you kind of get hints. But Mindy yeah. um, Mindy Blanchard is really cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, so you kind of make your way past. Getting past this wall of light is kind of your first mission here. There's lots of different ways to do it because it's dishonored. Um, <laughs> you can shut down the the, the windmill. Um, you can go through this bloodfly infested apartment. Yeah. Um, we kind of did our tight five on bloodflies. But, yeah. Um, I love that there are people outside arguing about doing it for treasure. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just like, man, there's there's probably this was, place is probably like frozen in time. Like there's going to be valuables in there. Yeah. And somebody's like, yeah, if we do that, we're just going to die, and the next people who do it are going to have a worse time. <laughs> yeah. You know, because there'll be more blood flies. I guess this is a reference to The Walking Dead, uh, like a conversation in The Walking Dead. But I have oh. not. Yeah, I don't watch I, that show, so. Yeah, I don't remember uh, that either. Yeah. But pretty neat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and you go through and you get the you get the sense like the the, the corruption is is thorough and complete when the yes. bloodflies take t- take these places over, um, and you can you know just Tommy boy your way through this um, and uh, just kind of run through get out the other side. One way you can deal with these places is to destroy the hives. If you destroy the hives, the the bloodflies will just kind of go away. So it's a little bit like destroying like monster generator monster generators in a gauntlet game or something yeah. like that. Um, the be- the best way to take care of that, and you'll find a note that explains this um, from like a guard that actually died. Because that you know before uh, Duke of Bell came along, there were kind of citywide efforts yeah, to eradicate yeah. these things because they're a public menace. Um, so fire, if you set fire to the nest, mm-hmm. um, it will actually burn out the blood flies that are within. Yeah, which is really fantastic. If you just shoot the nest or stab them, you'll get a blood fly swarm. Mm-hmm. Um, on normal mode, this is not a big deal, and you can just kind of swipe your sword. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on hard mode, these things will drain your HP very quickly. Hmm. Uh, so you have to be a little bit smarter about it. Um, on my second playthrough, to kind of spice it up, the lethal playthrough I did for the show, I played on hard. Okay. Um, which is pretty well balanced. I think that's actually a good way to to play the game. Hmm. Um, the uh, what else was I going to say about bloodflies? Oh, oh. Um, those nests. So the the ones that have bloodflies kind of look vital, like fresh blood. Mm-hmm. The desiccated nests, <laughs> of, like dried, dried old blood. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like, the it's like they bone make. a little bit. Yeah, they're they're all yeah. brittle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like old, old, dried, kind of desiccated blood. It's just like one of my favorite looking things. Like, yeah. 
God, do I fucking love blood flies, man. I'm like, yeah. I, I love these things. I need to, um, I need to actually complete the design. Um, that is, uh, it's a bee sitting on a sunflower with just, uh, like a, like a, a simple cursive writing around it that just says pure terror. Yeah. Because it combines both of our fears of, of, be, of bees and plants. I, I find these things, I do find them creepy. Yeah. Like, I do find them, like, really unnerving and just in a way I really love. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, I find jellyfish terrifying, but I still like yeah. them in the aquarium, you know? <laughs> True. I just, um, uh, yeah. Oh gosh, uh, uh, Jala shared this uh, this video of this guy destroying a uh, just dis- dis- destroying a wasp nest by hand, and yeah. I, I don't know if she knows exactly what kind of act of violence that was because this uh, this is not performative, but this is the sound I was making the entire time. Ah! Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's pretty, pretty y- creepy. Yeah, I uh, can't can't stand it. Can't won't. Yeah. Um, also, the descriptions of what uh, of what the bodies, the uh, uh, blood fire victims uh, kind of go through, just swelling up beyond recognition, their faces uh, com- well, completely mutated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's if they're lucky. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll get to our first. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, very we'll soon. There. We're going to we're going to learn about because we can on the other side of this, we can find Hapatia's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can head up to your left instead of going over to your right um, and find Hapatia's apartment, find a little bit more world building, um, learn that she is a genuinely good person. Mm hmm. Um, and kind of learn her research on these uh, carriers. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes, you know, blood flies uh, will kill you and create a nest out of your body. Um, sometimes they will create a nest out of your body before killing you. Mm-hmm. And you get this kind of, you know, like the disease that makes me love roars. That like uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes you want, like makes you want to take care of them. And those things are fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. The, the, like the, the I tenders. love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I love those things. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the mechanically, it's very similar to the weepers mm-hmm. in, uh, in dark soul or, uh, Dishonored <laughs> one, uh, the, you know, the, the plague victims yeah. were, were gone too far. Um, but they're kind of cooler because they are walking nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mechanically really interesting. If you shoot them in the stomach, it will just explode the nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live, but they will just like yeah. shoot a bunch of blood flies at you. Also, they, um, they, they, they can't see, um, if yeah. you, if you take out the, uh, if you take out all the blood flies around them, they cannot sense you anymore. Yeah, because their eyes have been eaten out by blood flies. God, it's like, so it is it's uh, so so scary. They're they're really like uh, they they speak to this perspective of the blood flies too. So it's never like I'm going to do this. It's like they're going to do this. Like yeah. <laughs> there's like they can be like they don't like you. I can't help it. Yeah, they're like you know, they're, they're, they're they're speaking about them like they're that kid from the uh, from the It's a Good Life Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. It's really fantastic. Like yeah. I love those things. Really, really creepy. Yeah, it's, it's very very effective horror. Yeah, one hundred percent yeah um i forget where to go next like the the overseer uh, dungeon's pretty good uh, okay. yeah overseer uh overseer thing is worth talking about yeah um, it's kind of the last little bit of this this level because one if we uh mindy, mindy wants that body so if we're doing mm-hmm. doing stuff for our buddy mindy mm-hmm. uh we have to go there two um there's a lot of runes and bone charms in there yeah so you're incentivized to check this out anyway <laughs> and you can kind of kind of see that like this kind of suggests that uh the church of the everyman is bigger in karnaka than it was in dunwall yeah um, this kind of street preaching was not something that was really done. Like no. the overseers were kind of already a secret police in Dunwall. Mm-hmm. Here, it seems like the the populace is more on their side. Yeah, um, I love that street preacher uh, because mm-hmm. both of my playthroughs, I I just uh, as he was doing his thing, I blinked behind him or you know fast traveled behind him, stole the stole the artifacts in plain sight, and then blinked away, and nobody was any the wiser. Yeah, you can you can do a lot. It's a fun set piece. Yeah, um, there's a you know, people will patrol kind of behind him, so it's tricky. Uh, but you can do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and he kind of just talks it. He lays out the religion if you want to sit and listen. Yeah. Um, uh, do not make your meal of the rat. It is unclean yeah. and unwholesome. 
Yeah, which you can you can then summon rats to kill him. <laughs> so okay, well they'll make a like, they'll make a meal of you. Exactly, like and, that's, <laughs> and everyone screams and runs. And again, it's very satisfying in a base way. Yeah, well you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not it's, I'm not above anything. It's funny, like the 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 gun is my least favorite thing to do in this. When that would have that would be the more merciful thing to use. Yeah, yeah, than saying someone on fire with rats. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, the gun actually, um, kind of weirdly, this playthrough, I used it more than I had before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cool things. Like, you can get upgrades with it that make it into a sniper gun. You yeah. know, make it so you can it can be perfectly accurate at distance, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, again, just a very wide array of, of verbs available in the Dishonored series. Yep, and that will be catnip for us. Incredibly important to me. <laughs> um, so you get the body from Mindy. Kind of, you know, spookily, Mindy is in a basement with some already dead overseers. Yep. <laughs> uh, and is just uh, just burying yeah. Uh, burying some fools mm-hmm. and uh, wants to bury this other person from the gang. Yeah. Um, because it was somebody that the overseers had, uh, had captured and interrogated, to, uh, interrogated to death. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, pro tip. Uh, if you rewire one of those walls that just reverses the, uh, the friend enemy thing. So if you're going non-lethal like me, uh, you're going to run through that and then kill eight people. Um, yes. and I, you won't you realize can, you that actually, you don't get a rewire tool yet. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, because there's a mission that introduces them, but that is true. For yeah, later. yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a of a later mission where my where my non lethal got fucked up because I didn't. I was I was making a mad dash. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a if you're playing lethally, it's such a baller move though. Oh yeah, like rewiring the thing and then people running towards you and just thinking they're fine and just being disintegrated. <laughs> yep. Um, when that happens, it's really great. The the guard behavior is cool in this game where they will stop and kind of throw rocks at it yep. and kind of test and try to get close to it because. <laughs> Uh, another way we didn't even talk about this and it's it's so cool you can do this in the first designer too but i didn't know it until this one oh, yeah. um, another way to get past walls of light is to throw garbage into them until it depletes all of their their whale oil if their whale oil, oil powered yeah so you can you can run them out of juice by just throwing whiskey tumblers into it <laughs> um, that's crazy it's so good Cole. yeah no <laughs> I, 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 it's I, like, I had no idea <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know again i i didn't know that until i until i Played this game and, and read about it. God. So it's a yeah. And and what what happened was the reason why I went research and found out is because I had set one, mm-hmm. uh, reversed it. A bunch of guys were chasing me. I watched the first one run into the wall like an idiot. The rest of them were kind of testing it, and you can kind of stand close to it, and they'll kind of try to hit you with their sword through it uh-huh. and get dissolved. Uh, so I was just kind of fucking around, and then a couple, you know, several of them got dissolved until one of them like came and stabbed me in the face uh-huh. because the wall had run out of power and I didn't realize it. Right, right. Uh, so like you can actually run them down. Huh. Very no, cool. That's that's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, that kind of a level of the detail is the reason why Immersive Sims are not <laughs> genre of all time. That, that's a that's a um, I hate that name. <laughs> Immersive Sims. Yeah. It makes it sound like like Arma or something like that. I just there's a I understand that you need something to call them. It's just weird that something that clinical is what we call yeah. is what we call it's, this. Well, I mean, we call them that because of Mark Brown's Game Maker's Toolkit. Like uh, I yeah. on it. That's like yeah. he coined the term um like very recently like two months ago yeah um talking about uh mankind divided but it's it's pretty hard to think of a good term for them yeah uh, because like first person action game isn't right nope first person action rpg isn't correct like you know there's got to be something something where like you're going through realistic like lived in places Mm -hmm. you know vent crawlers apartment simulators that kind of thing yeah um Regardless of how you do it, um, you either turn off the tracks. Oh, like real quick. I know we, we will pick up the pace. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> there, um, there's so many other, things being introduced here. Yeah. Uh, one other world building detail is uh, street musicians. Oh, yeah. Um, that you can find down in the market area near the uh, the train station. 
which is really cool. Um, the, they do the kind of thing where there is music in ga- in the game world, mm-hmm. and I like how this kind of functions as you know, kind of bards or new you know news for these people because mm-hmm. um, they're singing the song about the coup. Yes. Um, so you're kind of seeing how the person on the street is learning about this. Yeah. And uh, this song is not particularly great. Um, I actually love the end credit song though. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I've like <laughs> listened to that for pleasure, which is like fucking right. this. This game has made me do like I have a video game novelization, like novel next to me, not a novelization. <laughs> but I I bought the the book of it when I bought the comic because I was like customers also bought this. Yeah, I'm like, all right, let's be that person. <laughs> it's 2017. The rules no longer apply. Right. I, I now own a video game novel. Uh, and hey, oh, I'm listening to a song from a a video game that's like a lyric song. Uh huh. You know, just kind of for pleasure. Let's do it. Let's go for go it. all in. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, like it's just when they start singing songs of your exploits, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a great version. Like in Desired one, it was either the announcements, which eh, pretty straightforward or the, uh, the wanted posters yes. uh, that would pop um, up, that would pop up more of you were being more violent. And, and the, the wanted posters still show up here. Yeah. Um, but just contrasting the end, because the end song of the first Dishonored, remember, it's not theory of a dead man. But <laughs> I mean, it's, it's theory of a dead man esque. Yeah, you know, and that song is so terrible. And this one is just such a better song and so cooler and fits the flavor so much better. Yeah. And uh, you get an achievement for listening to all these mm. uh, these songs. There's three of them um, that you can find. God, and uh, Just yeah. re- reward me for paying attention. That's all that yeah. I want. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very cool. I love love these guys. Yeah. Um, so eventually, you know, regardless of how you do it, you either uh, break into the train station and take the, the trolley or you turn off the tracks you can walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to chapter three, the good doctor. Yes. In this old solarium, um, yes. you know, that was at one point a sanitarium and is now this uh, alchemical research uh, facility. Yes. Um, and this is your first like non open world kind of like big mansion level. Yes. Um, it's huge. Uh, is also a real like there aren't levels in this game i don't really like mm-hmm. um this one is also really good yeah. replaying it for the show i'm like this is actually very impressive um <laughs> the the thing about that level design thing that makes it so impressive and one of the things i like about immersive sims is that you are uh balancing by kind of making you know disrepair and lock doors and stuff like that you're creating level design through a space that makes no sense for it mm-hmm. in a way that is uh, like the opposite of how resident evil two or resident evil does things like that. Yeah. Like yeah. I love resident evil, but when resident evil, you know, it, they have, they, it, here's the shield key and here's the sword key and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like it makes no sense. And they, it's, they, it's papered over by the by, paper. Yeah, yeah. With insane building planners and stuff. And I love like, this is not me talking about resident evil. I love resident evil. <laughs> um, but the way that these kind of these Sims do level design where, it still has to feel like a real place that things actually happen in, mm-hmm. but also still ascribe to the the kind of tenets of level design of introducing your ideas in a set order, mm-hmm. setting up natural feeling kind of cover and scenarios and stuff is just so impressive to me without breaking that illusion. Yeah, it's a, it's, like it's, this, a, it's a feat to do both. It feels like a rundown, like asylum. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's kind of like I will never live in a building where one room is just Bloodfly City uh, <laughs> in real life. But in, in an empire that's in decline where like their funding has been cut, where essentially the only purpose for this place, mm-hmm. as we'll find out, is kind of a jail for an assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense. And it just feels it rings true mm-hmm. to me in a way that like I value a lot. Yeah. And like it has to do with a variety and separation of space, too. Like with those mm-hmm. blood flies, uh, again, another reason why I love <laughs> the uh, the buildings that are taken over. And here, the, the the whole wings that are taken over with it is like, OK, this this place used to have a use, but 
Now that's that's where we keep our blood flies, and it's fine. And that's going to be adjacent to not just the connective tissue of this building, but like the different areas that serve different purposes, either you know for recovery rooms or up on the roofs with the actual like solarium parts, like the greenhouse kind of thing. Like everything does feel like it's served a purpose, and it's laid out like an institution would be. Yeah, without feeling like a hospital level, which is what you would get in fear or something like that. Yes. Know? Yes. Or even something like kind of, you know, good, you know, or like not that fear is bad, but like even something like um, the first thing I wanted to bring up was like the halls of locked doors in uh, Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Yeah. Where like that starts feeling fake. Mm -hmm. Like this is a much more subtle touch mm -hmm. with making, you know, constrained hallways and kind of level constraints without actually making you just be like, man, is there, there's not one fucking unlocked door in this building, huh? You know, <laughs> um, it just it's just elegant mm -hmm. uh, in a way of doing that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, you kind of make your way through here. Um, it is big and creepy. Um, <laughs> it is you're making your way essentially to try to find Dr. Hypatia here and get into her office. Yes. Um, and you're kind of checking out notes to uh, to find out where she is. Yeah. Um, without talking about in, there's a couple of really cool individual set pieces on the way. Um, when you approach the uh, the elevator, <laughs> that's kind of the central place of this. Like one. Uh, you're incentivized to use the use the elevator because there are guards hanging out on the stairs playing poker. <laughs> As you approach, a guard comes down. He walks out and he's in front of a fish tank with blood flies in it, uh, mm -hmm. where again people grow these things. Uh, here they do it for research, yeah. Um, but they also do it to farm these uh, embers or these ambers. So you can, from a distance, you can shoot uh, that glass, you know, with a crossbow <laughs> bolt and just, <laughs> just he let lands them. in Blood Fly City. Yep. Where the where the flies are bloody and the girls are pretty. Like, <laughs> um. <laughs> So, <laughs> pretty, um, but pretty I, good. I, I really, I really love that. Like, I love that uh, being able to use those things as environmental hazards, mm -hmm. uh, and then it also makes things difficult for you. Like, you still have to deal with those blood flies. Yeah, like they're gonna, they're they're going to come after you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you essentially, like I said, you're making your way to her office to try to find her, uh, where you find out that she's been moved to the uh, recuper recuperation auditorium. Right. Um, and this is kind of where she has set up her uh, her airsats laboratory um, to study these blood flies and, uh, uh, you know, just have a lot of space. You have to go through a blood fly den to get here, um, possibly the most uh, the most densely occupied or most densely packed blood fly area uh, that, yeah. that, that that you've seen before. When you get here, she's really disoriented, like as you're as you're talking to her, you know, about the crown killer, because right now, correct me if I'm wrong, the operating hypothesis is that she was treating somebody. Who was the crown killer here? The operating hypothesis, I think, is that uh, she has a beat on Sokolov. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so I, I think that the crown killer thing, I mean, it's not a it's not a great twist when we get into it. No. I think um, because this character has not been built up enough, mm. and that's a weakness of this game is like characters are not great right. in Dishonored 2. But I think that she has a beat on Sokolov. Okay. Is the idea. Yeah. Uh, but you talk to her and she's having hallucinations. Like she, like she thinks there's somebody else there who is, who, who is speaking to her. Yes. Um, uh, so good. As you or um, like, as you, you kind of go away from her when you find her, you head into this back room where there is somebody who is being treated. Yeah. Um, on a cot. Yes. This um, is uh, this is Vasco, um, yes. who is completely bandaged up and his torso is kind of racked. And he drops kind of a bomb saying, hey, Hypatia's the crown killer, but it's not of her own will. Like there's something something weird going on with her that um, is related to the research that she is doing. 
I need you to um, find the, the the components of an antidote and assemble it. And this gives you um, your non-lethal option for taking down your target, who you didn't even realize was a target. Um, yes. The crown killer is here, and this conversation activates her. And she you know, throws something through the window, knocks you over, and now all of a sudden she's in play. Yeah, she silences Vax Vasco at this point. Yeah. Um, and then she's kind of around, wandering around, making it, getting out of here to do the non-lethal way of taking her out, kind of tricky. Because she's on patrol. Yeah. Um, down here, you can see other things, too. You can find um, letters from Abel, uh, who talks about Grim Alex. Uh, <laughs> and Grim Alex is his code name for the, uh, the, the crown killer. Hmm. Like when he needs Grim Alex to come out. Hmm. Um, the... Uh, so you kind of have to make your way back if you want to do the non-lethal thing, which you should do. And the game maybe, again, goes a little bit, lays out a little thick uh, <laughs> that Dr. Hypatia is a good person. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, there's a there's a fun little beat when you're talking to her uh, initially. Like she is just absentmindedly, absentmindedly doing this dissection on a blood fly. Mm-hmm. And she will hand you an organ from inside the blood yeah. fly as a like, hey, look at this. Or just, can you hold this? And then you throw it away and shake your hand off. The... um. Another way, just in, in uh, cool, immersive Simtown, another way you can find out her identity is if you try to use possession on her, um, the crown killer personality will eject you. Oh, wow. At this point. So, yeah. again, just give me those fucking details, man. Yeah. Like, um, give me that stuff. Uh, like, give me the details, even if I don't end up wanting them. When you're putting together the uh, the antidote, there's an audio log that you can, that you can get by activating this typewriter um, that is, uh, the, like, in the voice of the crown killer, talking about rutting with Vasco's femur. Oh, yeah. They're like, mm, nope, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, but, but like, the, the non-lethal takedown is mixing these co- components together and uh, and then kind of sneaking up on her and injecting it so that she will return to normal. You you give her the anti-Hulk serum. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you just have to, you know, activate on her. It's it's pretty easy. You just have to sneak up on her. And you can do it in combat, actually, if you have it. Um, there are a couple of little like cool side stories here. There is a attendant who ends up killing herself. That is why one of the rooms is filled with, uh, you know, has blood flies in it. Mm-hmm. Um, because she gets let go, uh, because what, I mean, the staff here is just like, Hey, we, we were doing a job. Like we were public servants and this place is not doing that anymore. Right. You know, this is literally just like grim Alex's cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody complained about it, uh, getting, getting fired and ends up killing themselves here. There's also a side story with a janitor, uh, here as well. Yeah, uh, Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton. You you just uh, uh, break into his into his office uh, to find yeah. out uh, where he's at, and he's actually been uh, been captured, and you have to rescue him from being killed. Yes, um, really fantastic little nod and kind of detail as well. Um, there's a really cool hidden uh, rune in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, access to the basement is blocked off, but you can cut the elevator so it falls through. Oh, wow. this basement that is uh, flooded. Um, and down there you get some, uh, bone charms and some backstory and read about a former patient who is actually granny rags. Hmm. Um, you get to see, uh, yeah, who is, turns out to be important in this uh, game to another character as well. Yeah. Um, but you get to find out that granny rags was once interred here and learn a little bit about her backstory, which involved a, uh, an expedition to the Pandician continent, which hmm. I really want to see Pandicia because yeah. every time an expedition goes there, people go crazy and start fucking murdering each other and stuff that's where the uh, yeah that's where the plague came from like that yeah. is i mean you know to, to take whatever baggage you want from this but uh like the, that that is this world's kind of equivalent of like the wilds of africa almost yes yeah. that's i think that's what's going for yeah. um it's like it's scary eldritch yeah you yeah. know version of africa which like again that's that's not good but it's also 
period appropriate for colonial colonial England, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting that little detail and being like, oh, that's you know, uh, Vera Moray. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was was really exciting. Also, Bone Charms and Backstory is my favorite acapella hip, acapella hip hop band. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more to that level. We're going to, again, we're picking up the piece, pace, just picking up on uh, individual highlights. But mm-hmm. you get through there, um, you have to shut down a uh, turret kind of thing at the end. So Megan can come and, uh, whoops. Uh, Megan can come in and pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, we have more information uh, through the course of doing this mission that Sokolov has been kind of handed over to the the, the, the new upstart in town, the Elon yes. Musk to Sokolov's uh, Steve Jobs, this yes. uh, this Kirin Jindosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so saving uh, saving Hypatia, uh, when you save people, they'll actually come back to the ship mm-hmm. with you and you'll get benefits from this. Um, one, you can just kind of talk to them, but also they give you upgrades and mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And something we didn't talk about uh, in with regards to black markets is the idea that uh, they sell you blueprints as well. Yes. And you can find blueprints in the world that improve your equipment. Um, she gives you the combat sleep dart, which is really fantastic hmm. um, for saving her, which you can find other ways. I don't think any of them are unique, right. but uh, you can get it quicker by by saving Dr. Hypatia. Yeah. Um, and they also give you new decorations for your place. Like that makes yes. the uh, makes the ship look more lived in, has different artifacts and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can find um, souvenirs in every level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly tied to an achievement, but you'll put them on your desk, mm-hmm. um, which is you know pretty fun. Into it. Yeah. Uh, so we're um, on to, so moving, yeah, moving yeah. on to level of the year 2016. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, let's let, let's talk about it. This is uh, chapter four, the Clockwork Mansion, um, yes. which is the, uh, the 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 home of uh, of Jindosh, Kirin Jindosh, um, and uh, he is the one who provided the Duke with all of his Clockwork soldiers, these uh, huge automatons that helped with the coup on Dunwall. So he yes. is he is complicit um, in this conspiracy to uh, to take over the empire. And what Jindosh is doing now, essentially, the reason why he finds Sokolov or has Sokolov, which we learn this a little bit later, but just yeah. to, to t- connect the dots, is because every clockwork soldier is a fortune. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he wants to kind of get uh, Sokolov. Like Jindosh is definitely a genius. He wants to get Sokolov with him to uh, to create a, a cheaper way to make them, essentially. Yeah. yeah to, to to help him scale uh, more effectively. Because yes. because in order to uh, in order to actually use them, you have to have plenty of them, and nobody. Uh, n- no single person can afford enough to, uh, to to actually make them useful. Although yes. we do we do see potential customers throughout the mansion, which is funny. But it's like it's like a, um, a prestige piece. Yeah, you know, having one of these as a guard is like kind of a, a thing you can kind of be the talk of the town for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little town section of this before you actually get to the mansion, right? Um, which is really really cool. We're introduced to some kind of players from later uh, when you go to the black market. Um, a lady says like, "I will help you, but I can't help you right now. Uh, someone's coming. You should hide." Uh, and this local local gangster, uh, Paolo, shows up. Yep, he does a little shakedown, and he says, "Hey, I want to remake the empire." He is the uh, the leader of these uh, these howlers, uh, yes. who are uh, um, a gang that we're going to encounter plenty of uh, in Mission Six. Yes, um, if you're anything like me, um, you don't want Paolo shaking down your your buddies, mm-hmm. so you kill him, and you are shocked to find him dissolve into a gang of rats. <laughs> yep. Um, and huh. well, what the fuck? Uh, that's, that's weird and scary. Um, so that's really cool. And that's going to play later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, breaking into this black market is really cool as well. Um, you have to, you find some people who are on the other side of a wall 
uh, who are attempting to blow down the wall or explode it, but they need an extra whale whale canister. Hmm. So you can go and get a third one and then explode the wall and break into the side of this. Oh, uh, wow. thing. Yeah, wow. I didn't do any of these, any of the uh, the break ins. So I need. They're really to... cool puzzles. Like they're, I, I I like them a lot. Like they're all pretty varied, and they they pay off in a really cool way. Um, if you break into all of them, uh, the last one you run into is different. Hmm. So nice. Yeah. Um, so by hook or by crook, you end up getting to the clockwork mansion itself. Um, and there is uh, an ante room, uh, you know, in the foyer, you walk in, <laughs> Jindosh has left this generic audio log, um, in the front saying, Hey, you know, nobody finds their way out from his defenses. Like he, he leaves the door unlocked, trying to get people in to, to like, to test out his inventions. Yes. Uh, Cause he's what's going on. Here. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so it's open to the public as a thing um you walk in it has this kind of museum atmosphere that's that's really neat mm-hmm. um and you eventually uh you can't make your way forward um <laughs> there's an apparatus you can uh kind of touch and you do so and you get this amazing vista of the walls uh bending over and the place kind of reconfiguring itself yeah it's it's aperture <laughs> yeah. yeah even yeah. down to there being an assessment chamber mm-hmm. like downstairs like it's very aperture yeah um and that's never not going to work for me the idea of a space yeah. rearranging around you like that. Um, the amount of detail that goes into every single moving part. I have no idea. Like just the, the, this, this reads to me as such a huge technical and presentation feat. I have a, I have a couple of issues with, uh, with like the, 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 the play design of it, but like aesthetically, this is, this is a fucking highlight and a feat. I, I, I'll be curious to hear what your, your play issues are. Cause I don't, I don't have them. Okay. Um, I actually really like the way this plays. I think it is, uh, really unique mm-hmm. um kind of keeping conflicting uh sets of reality in your mind <laughs> and guessing where they uh, or how they intersect yeah um kind of like deducting ways that you can get to places mm-hmm. like i see that place how do i get there knowing what's between me and that and knowing that i can change this configuration in x y and z way oh yeah all, uh, all of that works for me the problem is where those edges don't entirely meet um and also i i don't i don't particularly enjoy fighting against these uh these uh robot I uh, like them. I, yeah. I gotta say, I mean, we, we, so, see, we don't always agree. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about them in a, in a moment. Yeah. Like the other, the other part of it that, uh, really just scratches an itch for me though, mm-hmm. as far as level design is that it's a thousand little hidey holes. Oh yeah. And, uh, you put, you know, I talk about this in bonfire side chat, like you go down some stairs, there's a glowing treasure behind the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, always do that. Cause yep. that, that's, I'm just, you know, at least for me, like, that just works for me. And this game just does a fantastic job of that. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is going to sink down into the ground. Uh, I don't like from what I know of this layout, there wouldn't be a room down there. That's mm-hmm. just above the assessment chamber. Um, but what if I go in this room while it goes down? Oh, there's like a little oh, cubby yeah. with, a, with a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like th- th- this is an entire level where pretty much every corner is going to have that Dark Souls trick that they lean on so often, which is what if I just jumped out of this elevator halfway through? Like, yeah. you know, it is not just state A and state B. It is all of the positions of flux in between. And yeah. it is paced out in such a way that it creates, you know, like any given move of the of the rooms here is going to create a new, you know, a new opportunity to, you know, sometimes literally get into the walls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's plays into like this is so, so fucking impressive to me because it, getting <laughs> into the walls uh, is not only a cool level design trick you know it's going to help you navigate this place and just ups the complexity of getting around in it Mm -hmm. um it also is a narrative thing because 
when you go here, the first time you use this, that alerts Jindosh that you're here. Right. Um, he comes out to meet you. He's behind a glass wall. There's a wall <laughs> of light to your left. You can't get to him, but he, he dedu- deduces who you are because he is a super genius and just says, yeah, you can't get to me, so I don't yeah. really give a shit. I'm going to go back. <laughs> well, what's funny is he's doing this from the other side of a glass door, um, and uh, on the other side of this glass door, it's it looks like, oh, it's just a bottomless pit. He is walking along as the floor builds out in front of him yeah, in like these little keto. strips like a piano. Yeah. <laughs> like, almost like again just just visually it's so fucking good as he comes in to taunt you and says ah oh, get to me if you can and he's such a prick and you get to if you do this level that way uh-huh. uh where you go through this way which is the way that you should do it's like the way it's meant to be done there's oh, an yeah. easter egg way you can do it as well um but he kind of taunts you the entire time <laughs> like he gives you shit for killing you know the guards you know because he knows he has like sensors in the floor and, and he yeah. knows when you're changing things yeah and he just kind of gives you you know, gives you the business and really gives gets you build up a real hate on for this, this guy. <laughs> yep. Um, like it just, he's, 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 uh, treating you like a, like a lab rat. Like, you know, if you blink around or if you far reach around his weight plates will say, ah, you're moving very quickly. I'd, I'm yeah. curious to see, like if they had more budget, this guy would be voiced by, by fucking Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, it's, a uh, it's really, really impressive to me the way that like the experience of going through here, trying testing all these corners, trying to find this stuff, yeah. and having him kind of tease me for it uh-huh. was a unique thing. Yeah, my my, uh, my quibbles are incredibly minor compared to the just unmitigated win that yeah. that design complexity is. I just think that, like again, it's it's where those edges just don't entirely line up to me for my for my preferences and the way that like when it gets down to actual combat, like fighting things here is nowhere near as as engaging for me as as actually getting around i think that like the actual when you do end up fighting a clockwork because we can talk about this in order because he sticks one of his uh his clockwork soldiers on you or two of them, of them. Of them. yeah yeah right <laughs> off, right off the bat two of them um the way clockwork soldiers work and like i like this could you know this is everything subjective yeah um i actually really like these guys mm-hmm. um they have 360 degree vision um so you cannot uh sneak up on them um, which is how you interact with things a lot of times in this game mm-hmm. um but they have uh, – if you drop attack them, you can remove their head, which allows them – they can only uh, determine things by sound. Mm-hmm. So they will attack anything. You can essentially turn them into – on your side. Yeah. Uh, kind of scramble them. Yeah. Uh, you can destroy the head from a distance, and uh, that doesn't disable them. And what it does is it takes off their regulator. Uh, yes. And they will, they will just uh, start attacking wild. Yes. You can also rewire them. This uh, this last mission in the city part of this is where the rewire tool uh, we're talking about the kind of tutorial for that yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to break off the plate uh, of them which is kind of yeah. tricky um, um, if you, you can also them, set them on fire too like their armor is wooden yes that's i love that like as a, <laughs> as a detail like they're made of, of polished wood that kind of guards these uh tubes of whale oil that power them um so the way you fight them and it's tricky because again they can see in 360 and they can actually attack in 360 as well their waist yeah. on a swivel um <laughs> is to flank them yeah. Um, so the entire game, you know, you're meant to sneak up on things from behind. These things you really have to come out from the side and smash their arms mm-hmm. is the quickest way to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, hand to hand combat and dishonor is not particularly great. Um, dishonor 2 adds a non lethal parry uh, to things. You can actually, you know, if you block at the last minute, you can parry. That's mm-hmm. pretty satisfying. Yeah. It's not Dark Souls, but it's pretty good. Um, here, the biggest problem with them as far as combat for me is just that there's no stamina. So if you just block, you can kind of block forever yeah. Um, to kind of circle around. So it kind of becomes this uh, wait for your opportunity between attacks and just attack their arm and get your aim correct. Yeah. But there's no cost of just blocking forever. Right. Um, so that part is where it kind of falls down. But the actual 
dueling these things is the most deep the actual one-on-one combat feels to me yeah um, I, I love the way that pays off in the in the end of this mission like when mm-hmm. when when the real boss battle is trying to take these two out while keeping uh while keeping him alive while keeping Jin yeah. alive yeah um they, they're very susceptible to stun mines stun mines will take them out um the other th- experience about fighting them though that i love is that uh Jindash recorded these diagnostic lines, <laughs> but, but they're not that, like, but they're not as though this thing was a person or something that is actually saying it to somebody else. He recorded the diagnostic and the, 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 the trigger for them, uh, just triggers them to say what the trigger is. So yeah. generic combat. <laughs> yeah. Entering maneuver six. Like he's bored because he's at work, yep. you know, like Jindash is doing, he's not making it to be scary. Uh-huh. It was just for his own reference. Yeah. And that uh, that kind of contrast, I love it. Like this, like <laughs> pretty scary, like bladed monster thing. Uh, but it's just this, you know, non-specific threat found. Yep. <laughs> you know, like this, this that it just works for me really, really well. Yeah, and it's it's, it's it's hilarious because it still gets his ego across. Like they still have his voice, but like it leans into how prosaic this is for yeah. him as somebody who's trying to who's trying to. So it's so it's his voice, but it's throwing out debug flags. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a commercial thing. It's his voice, but also he sells these. So this yeah. is something that somebody would use specifically, like if they if, if they had it. So, yeah, like just, uh, man, they would they would lose uh, a measurable amount of their charm if they just said seeking enemy, seeking enemy. Yeah. If it was Entering. a robot voice instead yeah. of a recording, you know, because uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have space for recording like that happens in this universe. Uh-huh. We don't have a, we don't have space for digitized speech. <laughs> um. So, it, you know, again, the. I think that maybe if these things showed up more often, maybe I would be sick of fighting them. The fact that yeah. it's, you know, just this kind of this level. Yeah, it's here and then uh, at the end. Yeah. Here and, and then, and, you know, just a couple other places. They work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anywho, so he sticks them on you and you have to get away um, and get into the walls. You know, that first moment of like, can I get in there? Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just something I'll keep with me forever. Well, yeah. And he, and, our... and he even calls that out saying like, ah, you've, you know, you've gotten into the walls. Have you got in the wall? Huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like says, oh, you know, I'll find you whenever you get out. But like, again, it is that miniature little portal moment of, uh, of feeling like you have transgressed in a very yeah. basic way. Like, obviously the designers made it there, put it there uh, uh, with the intention that you would, that, that you would do it. But you feel like you're getting one over on everybody. Well, and, and to, to further that, like, you're essentially just trying to make your way to him. And uh, the proper way is getting through this and getting kind of uh, taunted mm-hmm. uh, by him. Um, but you can actually get to him without him knowing you're there, yeah. <laughs> which I think is one of the most baller things you can do in a game. <laughs> uh, you can sneak up on him studying. Uh-huh. Uh, and he uh, and you can actually I didn't do this because um, he has two big clockwork soldiers uh, next to him. If you get to him and you can avoid the clockwork soldiers without alerting him, which is like a feat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do that. And he's kind of talking out loud as he writes notes about how he's going to do this mental violence to Sokolov. Yeah. Um, and you get this like dialogue that like nobody who's playing this game is going to hear. Like it's such a rare <laughs> thing, uh, but can just like choke him out and he doesn't even know it's there. And that contrasted with his kind of arrogance and his control, because mm-hmm. that's, that's what he's whole all deal. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, is just really phenomenal. Like what a <laughs> cool thing for the game to let you to do, let you do. Yeah. Um, no, and this game, this game pulls it off twice. There's another really cool thing it allows you to do later. Yep. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's I, I love it. Like yeah. it just mm. <laughs> we and we um so you make your way through the mansion. His actual like laboratory is super cool too. 
Oh yeah, because uh, it's like it's intermingled with his uh with his living area and uh the bathing area as well. Like you you're able to uh, uh press the buttons and like change the configuration around. You get the sense that he doesn't have to walk anywhere if he doesn't want to. He can just chain these commands and he's brought there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of uh, uh this modular mm. laboratory. Yeah. Um the place where he's keeping Sokolov is is it, it like that is the uh the assessment area. It's where he proves the uh the, the, the clockwork soldiers. And this is um a, a mobile maze that uh that kind of shifts around you and builds as you uh, as you run through it. Um and it's very tense when you're when you're running being chased by these things that are made of nothing but blades um to try and get to the heart of it, where Sokolov is kind of being kept in this malnourished and completely dazed state. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because he's trying to he's trying to rewire his mind. Like he's trying right. to break him down. He's actually researching the way to you know essentially use electric shock therapy yeah. to kill the part of Sokolov's brain that would resist, uh, but keep his kind of brilliance right in mind. And you know, pretty violent. Um, you have two things here. You have to take care of Jindosh somehow because he's a powerful ally to the Duke, um, but you also have to get uh, Sokolov out of there. You can do right. this in any order you want. Um, the first time I got Sokolov out and then went to deal with Jindosh, which is the least efficient way to do it. But mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of made sense to me because you actually have to carry Sokolov out yeah. uh, like you did in the first game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the uh, so the little assessment chamber thing that Sokolov is in is a little bit disappointing to me. Yeah. I, I don't really know what its deal is. There's so much complexity the rest of the level to just have this kind of – I think the idea is to drive him insane in an infinite maze. You know, I, so I the mean, like, I'd, of, be, I'd be down for that if there was text for it. I, I think yeah. it is just like that. This just happens to be the place where where Jindosh can kind of keep him safe from anybody who would be coming. Like it just seems like a very defensible position. The um, it, he says um that he's like, I hope you find your accommodation. There's a note that's like, I hope your accommodations are comfortable. Um, and the sound of the clockwork soldier doesn't keep you out at night. If you somehow make your way out, he'll be waiting for you. Oh, so Jesus. it's like a prison. Yeah, but it doesn't have anything about it being like doing assessments. Yeah there uh so there there may be something that explains that, that i missed but yeah 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 i mean it's just a tense little set piece i have, I have no yeah. idea like if it was something that was meant to keep him mad then okay cool like if it just no matter where he goes it just leads back to his uh to his room well that's fucking diabolical yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. um so the uh uh you get him you take out him uh the non-lethal way is to use his own methods against him yeah um you literally like take his you put him in the machine you have to get the right correct amount of power uh so you don't fry his brain mm-hmm. uh, but you put him in the machine and you take away his ability to invent right like he's still himself but he can't put together an equation yeah so you put him in there and then like his dialogue says oh i need he's trying to run you know just simple arithmetic in his head and he can't do it and you think okay well He's, you know, the, like this, this sucks, but you know, he, he brought it on himself later on. You find out that he can't actually navigate a room. Yeah. Like an empty room. He will, he will end up like walking into a corner. Like this yeah. is, this is chilling what you've a, done a to this profound act of violence that you've yeah. done to this guy. Yeah. Uh, it is, is significantly more merciful just to kill him. Right. Um, it's harder because he's guarded by two clockwork soldiers and they're the double armed. Yeah ones but um you know a couple a couple stun mines will take care of that and they're they're upgrades your stun mines they'll make them fire twice hmm. uh that will make them one stun mine per clockwork soldier yeah um yeah so uh you get you get sokolov out megan is very happy to see him again because they're buddies mm-hmm. and uh, we get to another ch- question mark chapter another strange visit which lays out kind of the backstory for uh delilah yes so delilah has hijacked the void in a way that only the outsider has done before 
for you. So it is, it is very strange to be drawn in, uh, to, to not that, you know, 15 year old boy or whatever. Um, she, she draws you into kind of like basically lay out her case and describe the hardship that, that she suffered, you know, being the illegitimate daughter living in Dunwall tower, watching as Jessamine got all of the favor and all of the benefit of the doubt, which ultimately led to both, um, Delilah and her mother being cast out and, you know, almost dying in Delilah's case and definitely dying in, in her mother's case, um, due to the terrible conditions of Dunwall at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a shade, whether it's true. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Corvo, you know, kind of says like, I don't even know if she's, she's actually, if she's crazy or if this is, you know, a true thing. Yeah. It reads as true to me. Yeah, um, yeah. It makes Emily, uh, or Jasmine seem a little shittier. Yeah, um, you know she was a little kid. Yeah, I mean she's she, uh, she's a little kid, and she she saw a way to get you know to 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 get out of blame because they did something in the kitchen. They just yeah. they fucked something up like a kid would do. Yeah, it's 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 it kind of underlines like a low level theme in these games is class issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the game deals with it well. You know, I'm not going to think a piece about it, but like yeah. it is a thing. All of these games deal with the contrast between you know high society and low society. Yeah, but you're always this, you're always looking at it from the perspective of high society. <laughs> Well, that's and that's the that's the thing. And, and there's yeah. a couple lines in this one where it's like, I'm, you know, Corvo says, like, I'm going to take what I saw here back with me to Dunwall. Oh, yeah. And Emily so does they do, that, too. Like yeah. she says, so, oh, I've been a shitty absentee empress. Yes. So if they're going to do, you know, a Dishonored 3, I hope that they don't lean into that quite as well. Yeah. They have to do I mean, give me Pandicia. Yep. The, um, <laughs> so the uh, uh, but there's always been this kind of this element of that. And this reflects that really well, where like Jessamine was making a naive little kid thing that mm-hmm. had huge, huge repercussions. Yeah. You know, um, and th- not just for her, but also for somebody's life and that, that kind of uh, callousness that comes with wealth uh, mm-hmm. in real life and in video games most times yeah. Yeah. Um, is is worth kind of talking about. Yeah. The, the the blade that cuts the commoner is much sharper than the one that. Yes. You know, cuts the yeah. cuts the privilege. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we kind of have uh, these levels all have really strong themes to them, as we mentioned. Um, there's kind of like the intro one uh, as the first one, but then uh, you know the the uh, Clockwork Mansion um, is this one. This uh, kind of interstitial one does have a theme to it. It's a little bit less strong than the next couple. Yeah. Um, but the uh, we move on to the Royal Conservatory um, because we find out from Sokolov that uh, Delilah is being kept alive, um, and there is kind of a uh, somebody who is a not a natural philosopher, but kind of like a, a mysticism. Yeah. Uh, she, she's uh, like a Bri- Brian Ashworth or Ashworth rather is, is uh, like a, like a naturalist and somebody who uh, runs the Royal conservatory and is like a go-to person for artifacts and things of that sort. Yes. Um, who's going to know about this and is involved in it. Right. Um, you know, the kind of trail that brings you target to target doesn't matter that much. No, it's mostly um, like hunches or, or grudges. So, yeah. so uh, um, Megan has uh, has history which, with, with Ashworth and is very, uh, you know, like you get the sense that part of this is to settle a score. Yes. Um, it's kind of like Batman investigating things, except he's always right. 
<laughs> you know, like the the your first kind of thing ends up being, you know, being being correct. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but uh, Brian Oshworth is. Uh, why am I saying Oshworth? Oh, oh. Oshworth. Uh, Oshworth. Ashworth is uh, is is confirmed to be one of Delilah's lieutenants, and she is working on this magical device, this uh, this oracalcum or oraculum, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, you were going to this area called the Syria Gardens, um, and uh, this is a place where uh, the overseers are very strong. Um, especially around this thing called the oracular order, which are these, yes. uh, these, uh, you know, this coven of oracles that serves the overseers and helps kind of guide their actions by having this supernatural insight. Yes. Um, that's why there are no women overseers. Right. They're all in the oracular order. It's essentially nuns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're essentially making your way towards this conservatory. Um, there are kind of, there's town elements of this that are kind of less important. Yeah. Uh, to it, really, the centerpiece is going through a museum of this world, <laughs> uh, which is to me is like that's a good centerpiece. Like I like the wildlife and weirdness of the dishonored world. Yeah. Uh, the other kind of the gameplay theme is introducing the witches. Yeah. Um, so we are going through here dealing with new enemies. Once you actually get in there, um, you find all these notes from Duke of Bell. They're like, hey, no one's going to conservatory. Like conservatory is closed. So there's posters. And that's because uh, Ashworth is working on this thing. And because her coven. And Delilah's covered by extension has kind of taken it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a lot of the enemies from the DLC. Yeah. The, so, so the outside is kind of uh, peppered with these dogs again, with the masks. Uh, they, they act very similar uh, to the way they did in the last mission of the DLC. Also, we have these turret plants that, uh, that kind of pop up and will uh, again, area denial um, or deny mm-hmm. you area uh, the witches. So the regular ones, they'll do the normal thing where they'll transform and get more aggressive. Uh, but you also have these kind of shadow witches that are going to post up on the top of bookshelves. So yes. dark vision is going to be very important because you essentially have these organic security cameras that can also blink right behind you and then kill you <laughs> or yeah. attack you or spot you or raise cane. Yeah. Yeah. They're very cool. Um, I, I like them. They're just kind of, um, they're doing villainy shit. When you find them, like the witches are actually have like no shade to them at all. Yeah. Um, so again, they're very creepy, uh, but they're like, you can find a lot of evidence of this. Like there is uh, somebody set up with a bunch of apples, uh, a bunch of bolts in him and a bunch of apples on his head. Yeah. Like you, uh, you, so break, in through, tell him. you break in through the kitchen. Oh, no, that's a, that's a different thing. So apples, bolts in their head. Yeah. The yeah. William Tell thing. If you sneak in through the kitchen, uh, you'll find on the large butcher block, there's just a, a human body. Uh, that has a bunch of sleep darts at him, and like it, yeah. it looks like he's about ready to be prepared for a cannibal feast. The uh, side quest here: um, the guy, the black market guy, asked you to find uh, a prototype uh, within the conservatory that he sent somebody in to get. Hmm. Kind of follow these screw, tr- uh, clues. Um, it's in a kind of a cool security system thing where it's a room where if, once you take the thing off the weight, the walls fall down. Hmm. Um, and uh, that alerts the witches because it makes a, a huge noise. Um, and kind of the cool thing that you can do, um, is, uh, set up mines around the outside <laughs> of it that you will then be protected by yeah. once the walls come down. So you grab the thing, the walls fly down, it starts making an alarm. You hear all the witches come in, get shredded to pieces with razor mines. Yeah. And then, uh, you put the thing back, uh, the doors open, you grab it and then blink out before they can close again. <laughs> and you, you, it's kind of like you set a trap for a bunch of, a uh, bunch of witches. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a Bioshock encounter. <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> so we mentioned these these uh these grizzly displays also you're uh blinking around on these preserved uh birds and 
<laughs> things like that. Gigantic it's, turtles. I love that turtle. Ah, the turtle's great. Um, yeah, good, good turt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you get down into the basement archive, you get a little bit of uh, back background here that's going to pay off. So we confirm that, hey, Delilah was killed by Dowd. Um, yep. You know, brings that back. Um, and also, you know, Ashford was in cahoots with the Duke to bring Delilah um, who is now immortal back from the void um, and kind of get the old band back together. One bit yes. of shade about these witches that uh, is going to be more of a thing in the final uh, mission, but is present here. I love the patter um, between them. Like they're like their battle cries, um, especially mm -hmm. when you kill one and like they, they scream out in agony because you just killed one of their best friends. Like yeah. it, it actually is like they, they react uh, when when you when you kill one of them and somebody witnesses it, I just that that is a, a, a turn from what you normally see in this, which is like you kill somebody and that is something that just uh, um, you know if if people are already alert, they don't get any more alert. It puts a little bit of like emotional weight behind taking these taking these creatures out. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, um, the uh, the kind of them getting the band back together here is kind of interesting when you find that note because Ashford is always part of Delilah's coven. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first hint of how the Duke got involved. Um, and it, there is like, so everyone is actually in love with Delilah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way that uh, when you overhear, when you actually find Ashford up here and you kind of listen in, um, Delilah can talk through statues. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a, a thing that happened in the, uh, the DLC can happen here as well. And you can hear them kind of talk and the like. And you can read the language, and uh, this is definitely like the lesbian subtext here is through the fucking roof. It's barely sub. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's barely dumb. It's barely switch. <laughs> like it's. It's barely all of that stuff. It's. It's. It's a taster sampler of uh, <laughs> cool scissor moves. Like it is. Like it. It's. It's really huge. But when this is the first hint that that's true of the Duke as well, mm -hmm. where the Duke started hearing uh, Delilah's voice and wanted to uh, come back because everybody is literally in love with her, yep. which could be a magical thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. It's uh, something that. we saw in the DLC, too, with uh, with that mansion that we broke into. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was building statues of her likely. You know, that that's part of the reason that he got that ship was because he was fascinated. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the the, uh, the lethal way of doing this is you just fight her. She has uh, some powers mm -hmm. that the witches don't have uh, some extra powers. Um, you know, she's like a super witch. Yeah. So it's actually kind of a tough fight. Um, the non-lethal way is she's been using this uh, piece of technology with a set of lenses, this oraculum uh, um, thing, to uh, contact the void and kind of be in touch with it. Yeah. And there are some faulty lenses that Jindosh sent over that you can <laughs> replace the the real ones with. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and doing yeah. that like renders her completely inert. Like she's still alive. She still walks around, but you have severed her tie with the void, where she draws all of her powers from. And she says, "All right, well, you've got me. Like, just leave." I'm I'm done. Yep. <laughs> like you know, again, you have done uh, a tremendous amount of like philosophical violence to her, which is you've taken away the thing that let her thrive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she just kind of tells you to get out. Yeah. You know, um, you kind of make your way back out here after you've uh, neutralized her. You can also uh, do cool things. You can talk to uh, Delilah yeah. and be like, yeah, I killed your buddy. Like, <laughs> you know, and the way that she reacts again, that subtext is just huge. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can do some cold hearted shit. Um, you also get to see, I love the, her room where she's kind of taken over the room full of like corpses, plants and whalebone. Mm -hmm. That's off to the kind of the left of, of her, where you find her. Yeah. is really phenomenal. Like good stuff. Very good. Um, you make it back and Megan, uh, your first hint of her uh, identity, which I dropped earlier. She says uh, that she actually fell in with the coven and she's not proud of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but those had had done, done some work with and for them. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, moving on to chapter six, uh, this is where we find out, uh, you know, so from this information from Ashworth, we find out that there was a ritual that was conducted that actually made Delilah immortal. And we have to uh, find out more about that. Yes. In order um, to do that, we need to find Aramis Stilton, who is one of these engineers who uh, kind of Peter principled his way up through the ranks and started uh, gain control over the mines in what is now called the Dust District. Well, it's not the, the Peter principle. He's great at it. Oh, like yeah. Yeah, there we yeah, go. He's, yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Like he's he's uh, he's one of the few like moral agents in this game. Mm, yeah. um, and the way this articulates, I, I absolutely love like these two missions. Uh, like I love the Clockwork Mansion. Um, I love Chapter Six and Seven of this game so much as well. Yeah, like these six, are the three. Spe- specifically, Chapter Seven is the highlight for me. Yeah, like Seven this... is really good. Yeah. Um, so Chapter Six of the Dust District. Uh, the kind of theming here is there are two. Uh, uh, there are large safe zones in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an area where the silver mines are. That's kind of Karnaka's claim to fame mm-hmm. uh, as far as exports go, and uh, it is under control of uh, kind of essentially two gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, the overseers uh, are with a uh, vice overseer burn mm-hmm. uh, is vying for control and Paulo, who we've mentioned before, who is the leader of the howlers. Yes. And uh, they're, you know, gangs of New York style ready for <laughs> open war. Yeah. Um, and so in order to progress into the, uh, you know, Stilton's mansion, which has this uh, lock on the front of it, which again is of Jindasha's design. Um, we need to get one leader or the other on our side, which well, involves, Oh, good. I was going to say, uh, you don't actually, that this is the, another really amazing thing this game does is oh, you yeah. can solve the logic puzzle of the lock. Oh yeah. Uh, and <laughs> allows you to skip it. Yeah. It's, they give you a tiny hint. Um, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's a logic grid puzzle. Um, it's very tricky and there's a really cool kind of postmortem thing with Harvey Smith where he talks about the kind of philosophy of allowing your players to skip large portions of your game. Yeah. Um, like that, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a cool read. And it plays into stuff that we value as a network. You know, we talk about the painted world of Ariamis and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd be I'd be curious because like when I went to it, I, I I saw that the like all like this combination lock is here. What you're getting is the is the shortcut is the is the crib sheet to uh, yes. to, 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 to get in. So next to it, there's a riddle. So that would be the, the way you yes. get through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this um, um, can shake out in different ways depending on who you who you decide to side with. Um, I ended up siding with the overseers because down here they seem to be operating <laughs> on a more kind of uh, uh let's let's say orderly and less hostile uh set of uh <laughs> set of rules so that's why i decided to go after paolo um i feel good for that because taking paolo out is very interesting i assume you've done both uh paolo is a cooler fight I, yeah. i've done i've uh neutralized them both um this is i mean not to like i feel like i'm being trivia guy yeah in this episode but like these details are one of my favorite things about these games oh yeah yeah uh, I took them the first game. I took them both out. You can knock them out and ship them to another country. Oh, yeah. There is a there's an abandoned <laughs> storefront that has boxes you can put them in, which is just fucking incredible. Um, so I did that once. And then the second time I killed the overseer because uh, I'm on the forces of the void. Yeah. So so anybody who's a void boy is a Gary boy. <laughs> yep. um, but Apollo is a way more interesting fight when I took him out the first time. Like he's got power so yeah he's a cooler yeah. fight than the overseer yeah well so 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 you go after him he's, he's, he's got the powers and his powers come um uh, you can actually uh deduce this if you know about the series uh he he's in the in the crone's hand saloon he gets his powers mm-hmm. because he uh he has gotten the uh the the enchanted hand of lady rags yeah <laughs> yeah which is that plays into the whole like dead man's hand kind of charm yeah idea that that's been forever that like it makes you invisible and makes you harder to catch if you're a thief mm-hmm. and like kind of you know 1800s london yeah and stuff but very cool and the kind of the the 
main part of his power here. He doesn't have uh, like blink and things like that. It's he has to die twice before sunset <laughs> to die, which is very evocative and cool. If he dies the first time, he just turns into rats, wakes up in his room. Mm-hmm. What the fuck happened? I just need to take it easy for the rest of the day and not die. <laughs> I'll be fine the next day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and th- and that's the case even if you uh, even if you choke him out. Like if you choke him yeah. out, he will he will dissolve into a carpet of rats around you and then disappear. Yeah. Um, you have to choke him out twice to put him in a box. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're pretty much choosing one or the other. Um, this place is garbage, right? Like, so, and it turns out to matter later. Yes. Um, this is, uh, the dust storm, like the, everyone's suffering from this lung, you know, this lung disease from getting silver mm-hmm. dust in their lungs. Um, it is just, there are tons of, uh, abandoned places and it didn't used to be. Um, and one of the ways you know that is this is where you can find Corvo's old house. Yeah. Uh, where he grew up, which is a really cool, there's a plaque on the wall. <laughs> that's like the Royal protector of the empire used to live here. Um, but it's abandoned and getting in is actually kind of tricky. It's like up on the, it's a window you can break. That's a little bit higher up than usually you're asked to do. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of go through there and get some treasure and, and mm. find out, get some backstory about his parents, uh, which I really love. Yeah. This is the first place that I encountered the, uh, blood fly tenders. Yeah. Who were walking around. Um, that was a, a tremendous thing, uh, because I was trying not to kill anybody and I figured they would, they would count as uh, being lethal, like leaving them blind with no blood flies around them. Again, felt yeah. uh, pretty poignant. You know, I, I understand that they're complete monstrosities now, and they'll probably grow new ones. But, but yeah, that was a that was a fun encounter. Yeah, they have blood flies in them. Yeah, they'll be okay. <laughs> uh, no worries about those guys. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's that's pretty fun. Um, you're essentially again, you just choose one or the other. Um, take them out. They give you the combination. Um, there's other detail kind of things you can find in this level as well. You can find, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Mindy Blanchard's tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. And you learn about her kind of tattooing with uh, with whale blood and it, it, you know, getting infected and having weird properties. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see all of her drawings and stuff. Nice. And uh, if you side with the howlers at this point, she gives you a cool like nod. And just like, you know, if, if we had more time, I'd set you up with some ink. <laughs> uh, it kind of gives you a, a, you know, hey, buddy, you seem cool. Yeah. Which like <laughs> I, I'm going to be on Mindy Blanchard's. I like Mindy Blanchard. Yeah. Um, but essentially it's choosing which of these ways to go through or going against either of them. Right. Um, is the, uh, is the tax to get through this lock or solving a very difficult logic puzzle. Like I was looking online, it takes people like about a half hour or so to figure out. Yeah. Like it is a tricky logic puzzle. <laughs> um, so anywho, you get into the, uh, the actual, oh, and you learn a little bit about this, uh, this mansion as well. You learn that the howlers are being paid to leave food, uh, at this mansion. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. That's why they can get in there. And, uh, why is that? Like, that's an odd thing. Um, and we it's find out in chapter abandoned. seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, chapter seven, a crack in the slab. Um, yes. MVP for me. Yeah, this is really good. This is as good as, I mean, the, uh, the clockwork mansion is impressive in a way that like, I, I mean, I don't want to call it more traditional. It's like, it's a wider scope kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This seems like a more obvious idea to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so well executed. Yeah. Like this is as good. This you is, know, it, I mean, I can't put a hair between them. Like, yeah, it, it like for, for me, what, what, what really makes this ring for me is it feels like, uh, an iteration and a little bit more of a, uh, a more mechanically sound delivery on the, uh, Shellbridge cradle idea. Oh yeah. Of, you know, that, that, this... that's 100% the idea. Yeah. So like, I'm always going to be down for that. Even the, even if this isn't, you know, explicitly played for horror, this game, like this area's, this area's gimmick, and the fact that it takes away all of your powers and makes you use that gimmick to full effect and to very similar effect to you know to blinking. Um, this is this is an incredibly satisfying area to play. This is this is really really cool. Yeah, 
Um, so you get to uh, this this mansion. We get a little bit of a uh, little bit of like a like a summary. We've had these motion comic uh, kind of setups that uh, serve just kind of like a, a decreasing purpose as the as the game goes on because it's pretty straightforward. We don't need an awful lot of uh, uh, exposition about them. Uh, but Emily walks into this place and uh, you know she feels drained. You know the house is creepy and abandoned. The outside is overgrown, and you're not able to use your void powers whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there aren't enemies really here uh, in this first section. Yeah. They're like uh, which is, wolfhounds occasionally. Yeah. There's a couple dogs, a couple wild dogs guarding it, but there aren't really you know people. Um, you're trying to get into this, uh, this room uh, where Stilton is. Um, you eventually uh, get in there and you find that he is, you know, a vegetable. Yeah. Unless he's catatonic. Yeah, he's he, he's yeah. he's sitting at the piano in his uh, kind of, kind of uh, conservatory there, and he is playing things tunelessly on the piano and talking about the events of that day uh, three years ago. Yes, um, which I you know anyone playing tunelessly on a piano is going to do it for me. <laughs> like tunelessly whistling does it for me too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know somebody not being able to think of a tune as a as a sign of being. <laughs> not mentally there is, is really something for yeah. me. Um, and the, the outsider grabs you at this point. Yes. And just says like, Hey, this place is fucked up. Like the void is leaking into this. Yeah. Um, so, something that whatever they did here three years ago has left a crack in, in, in the, the fabric. Here. Uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, Greg, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pinprick, you know, left behind by Delilah's little trick. So like yeah. that is that, you know, you, you think that he is, he, you know, like he has just lost his mind, but no, he's, he's held between the two worlds because yes. of this, because of this leak that's happening. And the outsider gives you something called the timepiece. Yes. Uh, which is a really cool kind of little fan device, uh, that lets you one, uh, see back in time, which like <laughs> adding that, that felt like a, like a troubleshooting edition that is perfect. Oh yeah. You know, like maybe <laughs> you weren't able to actually, you had to actually blink mm-hmm. before. But games that have two worlds like that, like imagine how much easier Soul Reaver would be if you could peek at what the other world was without having to do that fucking transition. Yeah. That's such a good <laughs> idea for like a two worlds mechanic. Yeah. Well, you know, or even like Zelda 3, like if you could see what was over there mm-hmm. without having to wait for the animation and wait for everything. Yeah, or go to a specific place. Like that's the problem with both Zelda 3 and uh, and uh, Soul Reaver is you have to go yeah. to a place and then like like it's a, it's, it's a real, you know, kind of hodge that you have to do here. Like this is... Even more technically impressive to me than the, the like 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 the uh, the Clockwork Mansion is really great for from an animation standpoint. This is keeping both states alive yeah. at the same time. You don't just look backward in time; you're looking forward in time. You press a button to raise this fan up that will show you both locations simultaneously. You know, yes. so you can you know like like back in time when you know when when things were good and when they were trying to protect this ritual that was going on, they had guards around. So instead of you know blinking through whatever. <laughs> whatever uh hell dimension you you blink through the void i guess here you're going like you will just jump forward in time to where there is nobody move to a place where back in time you know like nobody's there and then go through so it's still effectively a blink you're just walking through two different dimensions as it goes and again the game is keeping track and keeping track of and rendering both at the same time that's fucking nuts gary it yeah it's it's really <laughs> really special it's one of these things too. I think so. When I think about the levels, now that I'm kind of thinking about it more, I think that the Clockwork Mansion is so. This is one of the side effects of this is it makes it pretty easy 
Because you can always go into the future. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you hide in the future. Like, well, you will not never always. Be... The second half of the mansion, you, well, like, if, you, if you do something, you make it much harder. Well, the, the second, the doing that thing feels Easter egg-y to me. Oh, really? You know, the, the, yeah, the game doesn't tell you to do it. It's just, you know, you just have to get the thing from him. Hmm. You know, not Easter egg-y, but it's not part of the mission. It doesn't feel like Critical Path. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not the Critical Path. Like, there's, there's nothing in the game that suggests that you can do it. You know, um, that's it's it's the first and it has waves, but it is the first and only way that you affect the past from the future. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like you go in the past. Well, that's not true. Well, you, um, like, that's you, how you, just, you do that you, thing you, with you a dog. In, and, yeah, you, you shunt into a different into into a different timeline. Yeah, different reality. But so there are other ways you kind of affect the past. But the uh, the kind of end part that makes this more challenging. I think the reason why the first thing that comes to my mind is Clockwork Mansion when I think about the levels in this is that it is interesting in a challenging way yeah this felt like a really awesome set piece but at least if you're playing yeah. lethally and if you're playing non-lethally it's also it's harder still mm-hmm. but not kind of commensurately um it's it's very easy it's like yeah. you're giving a huge advantage being able to travel to back to the future where it's dilapidated yeah it's and, and and i think part of why this speaks to me a lot is you are disempowered like you know you've spent a good deal of the game learning how to use the void powers that you have and you're given something that you have to learn and kind of coax that into being a good substitute for what you used to be able to do. Yeah. Like it forces yeah. you to see this area and keep both states in your head in a way that is incredibly satisfying to me in that it is a novelty, like an entire game about this. It would probably be too much. Like it would be a little mm-hmm. bit like, Oh, you need to go back and, you know, get the, get, get the wine. So you can have vinegar to dissolve the lock in the future yeah, or something yeah. like that. Like, I don't know if it would stand up, but as like a single, as a single gimmick where it interrupts the pattern, that it, like it's I, I I don't know I'm I'm incredibly satisfied by it like mechanically yeah. even like to, you oh, know me, me too me too me too I'm just saying like I'm trying to think of why when someone says like hey what is the you know what's your favorite level in this game my mm-hmm. instinct answer is the Clockwork Mansion yeah and it's because it's I think it's like engaging my brain in a different way yeah then this is this is so impressive and so cool and such a joy <laughs> to move through yeah and the actual the thing that I'm saying that's not on the critical path uh is incredible yeah and like the way that works is so good um and even the individual puzzle solving so you're going back and forth between these things um essentially it's a traversal puzzle yeah it's getting into this kind of back room uh being able to switch back and forth and they're all these little cause and effect things um so there is a room you can't get into because it is full of blood fly nest um the the reason why you find some kind of text that says the reason why is that dog died in there mm-hmm. somebody gives a servant you know a job to go clean it out and he never did it <laughs> so the dog caused the nest uh-huh. um the uh the, the, so you had to go back in time and like incinerate the dog yeah <laughs> or there's a statue blocking the way um in, in, in the present day and you have to go back into the past in order to uh in order to move it uh because the piece of machinery that would move it is uh you know still operational back then stuff like that it's yeah. real it's real shadow of memories or shadow of destiny <laughs> yes um so it's so really really phenomenal yeah like so fucking cool mm-hmm. um going back and forth and just seeing the world not in a shit sense mm-hmm. is really satisfying yeah. Uh, just seeing like, oh, like, because there are people who are like, you know, you see one of these worlds and you're like, this is too grim to be real. You know, all these people would just kill themselves if it was this constant misery. Yeah. You know, but it's like, no, there are these workers are well treated. Um, there are parties where like the workers get to come mm-hmm. uh, for it and stuff like this is actually pretty good. Yeah. 
Nope. And like the, the, the character of Aramis Stilton, what makes him worth saving is like throughout this entire thing, you get a sense like, hey, he's he's amassed instead of like putting together uh, like a, you know, filling his mansion with with culture. He's filled it with like mining equipment. It's yeah. almost like this museum of industry because he's very uncomfortable with the idea of being noble. I guess that's why I, I consider it like a print, like a like a Peter Principle kind of thing. He is a professional, like somebody who has made the mine run and is incredibly incredibly moral in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't serve uh duke luca um and so like that is part of the one of the reasons why um you know it's not entirely bad what happens to him and why he is like in a vegetative state without him there being like the voice of reason this area is more you know more, more easy to exploit yes uh go, goes to shit and the reason why duke uh, luca keeps him alive at all is because his father was a fan of him right so we learned that you know the duke duke's father was actually a good man and uh, not a complete piece of shit. And the, uh, you know, he would have wanted uh, Stilton to be taken care of. Yeah. So essentially, you, you know, you hop back and forth in time solving these puzzles, uh, engaging in combat and stealth only really when you're in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kind of non-critical path we're saying is that, like, the re- we find out that um, Stilton went mad from seeing what he saw. Right. You know, um, when I think about the, the non-critical pathness of that, I think that uh, designer games have a, a non-standard game over thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine somebody being like, if I knock this guy out, it's going to cause a paradox, you know, yeah, and give me a non-standard yeah. game over like, oh, the actual ritual didn't happen because this guy wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But it turns out he's he's an ex- he's not necessary. You knock him out in the past. This has repercussions when you get back. But first, we have to do the kind of set piece of the, the seance mm-hmm. here, um, which is really, <laughs> really cool. Like the actual the Horcrux thing they made is fantastic. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's uh so so you get inside this uh it's like it's like a like a safe almost like it's it's a locked away um guarded portion of the uh, of the mansion where all of these key actors in the conspiracy are gathered up with this um like it's a uh, kind of like a wooden simulacrum of Delilah if I remember correctly right yeah it's it's, it's a kind of wooden it's part wooden there's parts of bone it's mostly bone actually I think okay yeah. um kind of wire and bone hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so they are kind of nursing this again, a crack in this void, you know, the, the a rip in the fabric between between the two of them. And we have uh, we, we have Mr. Mr. Alien Freeman in black. Oh, this is this is more exciting than any orgy I've ever intended. Any orgy I've ever been to. Any orgy. Yeah, I have orgies. I'm a big fat guy with a bad mustache. That's his own hair. Um, yeah, it's a it's pretty. And the fact that this scene will loop uh-huh. just means you have to keep hearing that line. Um <laughs> But it's it's pretty cool. Like you get Ashford who kind of knows what's up. You get a Bell who's just kind of into it because of the novel, you know, novelty as well as uh, a Jindosh who is as well. Yeah. Okay. This is this is science and Stilton who's not really up for it. Right. And they summon Delilah, and Delilah pops back out. You know, they've done their seance. Mm-hmm. Delilah pops out uh, into this kind of Horcrux or in the presence of this Horcrux, and uh, they've brought her back to life. And yeah. we learn that kind of her her heart, like her you know her essence has been hidden away and that's why she can't die. Right. Um, the cool thing is Delilah knows you're there because she's kind of outside of time as well. Yeah. So she'll break, uh, she'll break from the, from the scene and address you directly. Yeah. Like I know somebody's hiding out there in between the, in between the moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we were referring to earlier is that if you save Stilton, when you go back to the future, the mansion is not in disrepair. Right. Um, it is, <laughs> which also uh, means it's staffed with guards. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It has people. Um, but this has gameplay advantages too, as well. So not only do you get to feel good by doing this, but it re- kind of kind of restocks the mansion with treasure mm-hmm. if you want it. And 
uh, restocks the dust district. So yeah. the dust district is now like, okay, there's an advocate for the workers there. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of runes and bone charms that wouldn't be there as well to kind of give you a reward for improving people's lives. Yeah. So it gives you like this, the, this third kind of iteration of both of these levels on the way out that you can, that you can kind of take advantage of. And, uh, the way that Billy, uh, what's Billy? I keep forgetting the real name. <laughs> the, way, the way, the way that the yeah. way Megan uh, lost her eye and her arm was trying to save Stilton. Right. Um, she went, she went into his mansion and was fought, fought these guards and got, mm-hmm. you know, the worst end of it. Uh, that never happens if Stilton doesn't need saving. So right. she gets her arm and eye back. Yep. And you know, like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Really, really cool. Like you're the only person who knows this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can yeah. also, if you just kill Stilton, uh, you can also, that makes the mansion no longer tended. Um, so instead of having like, you know, food there and kind of some guards, uh, some dogs outside, I think it makes the blood fly infestation yeah, worse. Yeah. Uh, if you just kill him. Yeah. So there's, there's three different uh, incarnations of, of the present mansion. Yeah. Um, I don't, I I don't mean for this to be a whole, a whole thing. Um, because God knows we've been going on for a little while. Um, how much does this whole thing of changing the past and, you know, the, like the world, uh, kind of switches to meet it. How much does it put Bioshock infinite to fucking shame? It's, uh, the one, the literal one thing that like, I was, I was thinking about that too. And I was specifically thinking about those vocal songs with it, but like uh-huh. the Bioshock event song thing, the idea of somebody watching somebody perform pop songs in the future and mm-hmm. then stealing the the melodies and stuff to make yeah. pop songs is literally the redeeming factor of that game. I feel like <laughs> at this point, everything has melted away to bullshit where I'm like, even the good things like, oh, I kind of like Elizabeth as a character. Yeah. But characters live in a context and like live in a game in a game I'm playing like. You know, it's not like yeah. the story is good. The story is actually extremely bad. It's just it's two <laughs> stories you know, put together, yeah. one of which is, you know, had promise. The other which had promise, but neither of them are realized, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it makes it does make Bioshock Infinite look like shit. Uh, <laughs> I just like and, that, like this, this particular thing, like you can take or leave the uh, the uh, oh gosh, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead kind of angle of that. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm kind of down for that quantum fuckery. Uh, here is a whole level that is about that and like the payoff for shunting into a new reality, um, be it better or worse, feels so much more satisfying. <laughs> I don't well, know. And, and part of the reason, and this is just going to sound like Gary 101, is that because it's tied into gameplay. Well, yeah. yeah. Like the fact that it has gameplay considerations, yeah. uh, both from like your reward and the difficulty of the level is what makes it meaningful. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't, you cannot make like, I mean, not to make an absolute statement, but it is harder to make an, a great game if you're going to separate those elements. Mm-hmm. And that's what Bioshock Infinite does. Yeah. It's like a super, super shitty shooter where none of that quantum stuff has anything to do with the gameplay mm-hmm. other than a really, really weak, like summoning cover or a turret yeah. mechanic. Um, other than that, there's no, there's no impact. Mm-hmm. And like gameplay is important. Yep. Like it is incredibly important. And when that ties into that kind of theming or story is when games get great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. it is and, not a requirement, but it is like strongly, strongly associated with it, at least in my mind. Yeah. Um, nope. it's just done very masterfully here. I understand. I like, I know that I'm overusing the word satisfying just so let's just take that away as a, as a keyword here. Like they, they stick the landing on this so goddamn hard. Yeah. It's an incredible level. And it's like the game isn't, we have two more levels that are both good. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a strong, like this is probably the climax of the game. This stretch yeah. Yeah. from, from clockwork mansion to conservatory, which is a little bit weaker, but still good. <laughs> and 
the, how, the district and then the uh you know, but what what other game has four levels in a row that's just like the strong of a block well four levels in a row and also the fucking middle of this game like most games yeah like the, <laughs> the middle is the worst this yeah. has like the, like it's it's filled with just it's filled with whiskey and sex it's great yeah and, and like the worst level in the game is still excellent yeah like this never gets bad like mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about this like this is the middle is good the next level is good. Mm-hmm. The last level is really cool. Yeah. Like there, there's like, it never gets bad. Um, you know, it is just like, I feel like the lo- the standard of quality for these as kind of experiences, if you have the buy-in to like, I like participating with this move set and these powers and this general premise. Like if that general premise appeals to you, you know, that's like, Oh, it's thief with a blank or it's this crazy lethal playground. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a better, I can't think of a better version of this. Yeah. You know, um, again, not to get like too high, you know, hyperbole and like, it doesn't have that thematic strength that Dishonored yeah, 1 has. Yeah, and I was going to I was going to lay that seed because that'll yeah. come back in the final summation. Like yeah. looking back at it, it is a series of incredibly good moments that are not tied together in as nice yes. of a bow as I would like. No. And it doesn't have that kind of weird meta thing that I love from Dishonored 1. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not like, yeah, it's more of the same but with a shittier narrative. Like that's not true. You know, like it's it's way way more than more of the same. Yeah. You know, the the game the losses it makes in story it makes up for or more than makes up for in gameplay. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of, again, uh, Bioshock 2, just moving mm-hmm. into the kind of system shock thief, you know, looking glass kind of lineage stuff. Where Bioshock 2, like everyone said, oh, it's just more of the same, but shittier story. Nope. Like that game actually plays <laughs> a lot better than Bioshock. If yeah. you don't remember that, you haven't played it in too long. Um, that's something I would like to do for the show someday. Yeah, yeah, it would be good. Um, the uh, and the gains it makes in that it's not as wide a golf as this, mm-hmm. but still deserve respect. Yeah, you know, like it, the way that that plays better, the advancements and level design and kind of tool set and player expression things like that are worthy of note. Um, in a way, and but this is this is next level for that. Like that, I think that's true about Bioshock Two. This is a better game than Bioshock Two. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a wider golf between yeah. those things. Um. So let's let's, uh, let's get into it. We've we're, we're, this is a long episode, long long <laughs> episode. I knew it would be, yep. uh, but let's get into these last two levels where they don't have quite as strong a gimmick, so it maybe is will be a little quicker. Yeah. Um, so chapter eight takes us to the Grand Palace. This is a gigantic monument to excess that uh, that Duke of Bell has uh, has kind of built in the footprint of the old mansion where he where he grew up. That was not good enough, so he has to put together this kind of like just extravagant modern silicon valley mostly floor to ceiling windows thing that perches over top of the city um where he can pretty much just hold these gigantic just days long parties where people will die yes uh (laughs) people nobles in karnak are not good it's not just uh the duke so like you will find dead people you know hanging out like people kind of have in a, in a sex room with a dead person next to him and stuff. Yeah. You can find things like that here. Um, there's not as strong a gimmick to this. No. Um, the... it is the highest concentration of like traditional guards mm-hmm. you're going to get. And the non-lethal, uh, way you're making through this does have kind of a strong element to it. Yeah. But as far as the level goes, it is just like a gigantic palace. Yeah. Um, I think I read some people who are expecting this to be, this version of lady Boyle's party. Um, this game doesn't have lady Boyle's party. No, in it, no. So this is not that. No, it's not. Uh, 
Um, it's it's more just an incredibly populated, very complex area. Like the the, the footprint of this place, uh, there are no right angles, so it's basically the haunting of Hill House. Yeah, um, so it's very hard to uh, to find your way around. Also, there are a lot of floors. Most of it is uh, kind of atrium um, and balcony. It's a it's kind yes. of a very disorienting uh, kind of place. If there is a gimmick to this to to, to this area, it is revealed in the briefing. It is that uh, Aramis Stilton has a body double. Who's a, not Aramis Stilton? Oh no, uh, no, no, no sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Luca has a uh, um, has has a body double. Who the only difference is he he smokes. Um, yes. And he's not a piece of shit. Well, yeah, true. Um, and, uh, the, the, the gimmick here is that either of them could be in, uh, one of five places. So you pretty much have to case the entire joint, um, and remain unseen to not just find one of them, but determine which one is which. Yeah. Unless you're, if you're going lethal and you don't mind, you can actually take out both. You still have to find them both. I get, I take back what I say about there not being a gimmick because that coupled with the kind of, uh, three, 360 degree views that guards tend to have. Mm Mm-hmm. Here really does, you know, make this a an interesting kind of proposition. Yeah. Um, because there are so many glass walls mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it is very hard. It's harder to stay hidden. Yeah. Um, and, and there uh, are a lot of servants here as well. And again, servants yes. will they you know, they won't attack you, but they will but they will just raise a tremendous amount of noise. Yes. Yeah. Um. So you kind of find you get some cool flavor stuff here. Um. He has a vault uh, <laughs> down in the basement. Uh, you have to break in through the pantry, um, to get into there. And you can find uh, this kind of like little two chairs sitting in front of a Delilah painting, mm-hmm. like this little, you know, creepy worship thing, which, again, is kind of showing and all the background you get here from notes and stuff is this, oh, like he's in love with her. Yeah. Um, or he's enthralled. You know, who knows? Who yeah. Knows which or, yeah, it's source old. Yeah. yeah. Um, the way that the stuff with the double works is really cool. <laughs> um, this is actually, I think, the most challenging of the non-lethal ways of, of beating a, a character yeah because you know you have to find them both you have to be able to observe them long enough to see which one is smoking mm-hmm. um, amazing detail because these games are detail porn um, <laughs> you can go up to the real duke and talk to him yep. and say <laughs> that he's the the double and he'll go along with it yep. uh, because he's not stupid right <laughs> so, love it he knows what's up so like you like it is a little game of clue you have yeah. to you have to be absolutely sure otherwise you're going to run yourself down an alley where you're fucked yeah, he yeah. he will. He goes, uh, the, you know, that's a great idea. Let's let's do it. Follow right. me. And he takes you to wherever you can get to the nearest alarm and then makes a break for it. Yep. And kind of fucks you over, which I, I just love that. <laughs> um, you can find his PA that he's been making these announcements from. This is something that Dishonored always does. It does it in the first one, too. And I yeah. love it. Does it in the next level. <laughs> um, and you can make an announcement to the citizens of Karnaka that you're going to free them from a bell, mm-hmm. uh, which is a real baller move to do while a bell is still around. Yep. Um, and we'll often draw him to that room if you need him there. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of a cool tactical thing because the, the uh, double will not come there. Right. Um, so if the double's out somewhere, you can kind of fish them out that way too. <laughs> so the, the the story with the non-lethal takedown is you find the double, you say, hey, I know you're not him. Um, yeah, like, do you have any information? Can you help me? Uh, the double's been watching as uh, Luca kind of falls down this hole of debauchery and just of being a terrible ruler. He's tired of working with him. And so he has this plan. If you can steal the actual Duke's seal and give it to the double, that's the only way people can, people can tell which is which. Um, and if you plant the actual Duke in, you know, in the bedroom, uh, you can set up this little scene where the double accuses the actual Duke of being the double and the real Duke protests, you know, like, oh, he's obviously lost his mind from the stress of the job. So let's go take him and lock him away, which is a yeah. terrifying idea. <laughs> you could just yeah. wake up and be carted away for not being you. Yeah, that's like that, that disease. 
the um and like the other thing like i love these little details about it one of the reasons why the double hates the duke is because uh the duke keeps taking credit for his paintings oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> i forgot about the paintings yeah you piece of shit <laughs> yeah real, real good that um and uh so that, that you know, that's the good way. The way this actually, I had to watch the non-lethal way of doing this on. So on my my first playthrough, I did it lethally. Hmm. Second playthrough, um, I I didn't get this far on my non-lethal playthrough, but for my lethal, but doing the assassinations thing, I got to this point, and I actually uh, kind of mildly embarrassing. Um, I found the the fake duke, um, set up the plan. He said to find the real duke and put him in bed. I went up to the real duke's bedroom and ran into the fake duke. <laughs> and he wasn't smoking. And <laughs> so you, you killed the I got dude. fooled. I not I not got knocked I knocked him out. And there's no way to wake people up. So I just had them both knocked out. And I was like, well shit, like what, what do I do? Too many dukes. Uh, and I, I put them on the bed, uh, thinking that maybe that would trigger it, but it wouldn't. It just said you have to kill the Duke. Like you fucked up. Like Um so they, it actually got me. Uh no. <laughs> did you so, have, did you have a save you could go back no to? no i i didn't have a i didn't did not it auto saved past it and it had been too long since my save so i was like okay i'll do the cheat code and watch this on youtube yeah um the actual way it actually articulates but it's pretty funny that the, the double actually got me as well after i'd like <laughs> after i'd agreed to not do that oh god that's Listen, like a, i won't choke you out buddy i promise yeah that's then, a coen brothers farce right there yeah <laughs> yeah pretty great uh, um <laughs> the other objective you have is to uh is to recover uh delilah's spirit from this uh from this vessel that you saw before in the past um and that is at the center of this vault uh that you have to have the seal uh to to, to get into um in order to carry delilah's spirit you know you need to send jessamine on her way into the void which is a, a, a touching moment and instead of having the loving voice of your mother or your you know uh your your, your wife lover. lover yeah um in there you have this hectoring voice of delilah um you know uh yeah barbing you and if you're if you're being a real piece of shit in this game it gets pretty sad because uh jessamine is not sad to leave you really yeah she's like i can't believe you know i take some responsibility for this but i can't believe what this world has turned you into yeah uh, if you're just being a complete murder monster like I am. Yeah. And if you're being a murder monster, the, you know, the, the, the chaos level doesn't just reflect on blood flies or whatever. It, it, uh, uh, it's reflected in the incidental dialogue as you and kill people. Yes. Yeah. And the endings, obviously, of course, but like, um, a low chaos Emily will be very, uh, regretful of kind of the neglect that she has, um, you know, <laughs> the neglect with which she has ruled this kingdom, you know, the fact that all this yeah. happened kind of under her watch, whereas uh, High Chaos Emily will kind of delight in the carnage and the violence yeah. and be completely focused on, you know, exacting her, you know, getting her repayment in blood. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, semi, you know, it, you can create a fiction in your head that makes that justifiable. Yep. Um, you know, where it's like, yeah, that's a, you know, betray me. Like mm -hmm. this is this is not okay. Like regardless, you know. Um, so that's kind of how how that plays out. If you just kill the duke, you just kill the duke. Um, it's not that exciting. Um, and the level ends up being again. There is that kind of gimmick, but it's mostly just checking areas or slowly methodically knocking out guards. Yeah, doing non lethally. Um, I guess the other gimmick to this level is security systems. Mm -hmm. There are more of those uh, Tesla coils uh, here than anywhere else. The arc uh, and alarms and stuff. Yeah. 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 So you can kind of do, do some stuff with that, but for the most part, you know, yeah. it's a, uh, so it's, it's good to have one of these just big intricate infiltrations in between, yeah. you know, 
a gimmick level that is decidedly, you know, uh, again, a break in the pattern. And this last chapter, which is a very structured kind of run into a, into a fortress. Yeah. If they had done another, like just a different kind of gimmick after this, it, I might have gotten a little fatigued too. Cause yeah. I've been like, well, what is the actual regular gameplay like? <laughs> you know, you've done. Um, so going on to chapter nine, death to the empress, um, where you return to Dunwall, uh, what does that kind of thing where you recontextualize an area you've already seen, mm-hmm. um, which we really like. And, uh, this is really good. Yeah. Like I, I like this level quite a bit. Yeah. You return and it's a, it's a little bit of a nice break in the pace too. Um, when you, when you actually get back there because the streets of Dunwall are empty, it's mostly corpses of these kind of dogs. failed. Yeah. And, and dogs oh. and just the evidence of just these, this, you know, this failed uprising to coup the coup. Uh, yeah. but before you go into this, there is the emotional scene, um, with Megan who reveals herself, uh, to be Billy Lurk and, you know, admits to Emily in, in, in my case, it admits to Emily that, uh, you know, she was involved in, in the death of her mother and, and her kidnapping. And you have an option to forgive her, but even the forgiveness isn't really, um, it's not like, oh, everything is okay. It's like, hey, what you did was monstrous, but people change. And I hope you, you know, <laughs> basically, I hope you've been through, I hope you've been through a lot because yeah. that was a shitty thing to do. I'm sorry I gave you back your arm. I, <laughs> the, I, don't, um, I don't know how it goes for Corvo, but I assume it's similar. It's very similar. Yeah. Um, the, the lack of difference between them was something that when I first kind of realized that I was disappointed in. Uh, just because I wanted more content, and that was before I realized how dense the levels were. Yeah, yeah. Like, this this game is plenty big. It's exactly the size it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving back through uh, Dunwall, you know, after it's kind of been taken over, um, is really great. One cool detail is uh, there is a witch who's using your loudspeaker uh, <laughs> system to uh, sing this song called um, The Brigmore Lullaby. Mm. Um, there's a shitty remix version of it. Um, it doesn't always happen. I read it, was reading online um, about it. Uh, is that uh, because she can spawn too close to a fireplace mm. and get set on fire? Oh, jeez! <laughs> um, but she she's programmed. She walks over to uh, to the speaker and sings this creepy song as you're walking through these abandoned streets, mm. having these kind of quiet moments. This thing we always love, yeah. Uh, in this game, and one of the things I love is that you can actually, if you go to that room, you can find her there singing it. If you get there quick enough, uh, with like time stop and blink, and choke her out, and then you'll sing uh, "Drunken Whaler" from the first game <laughs> over the, the speakers. Oh, so <laughs> yep, I'm down. Very, very good. Yeah, uh, extremely good. Mm. Another scene um, that is the you know that that is good kind of on its own, not as like a like a like a small little thing. Uh, what you might miss is you can go through the lab where they're preparing reagents for uh, for uh, Delilah's paintings. Oh yeah, and uh, you can hear the witches kind of like recite these rhymes about the about the horrible things they're doing to human parts to uh, to you know to, to to extract the pigment that they need to make these magical paintings. And that's an explicit uh, thief reference as well. Yeah. Those are, those are some witches uh, who are the pagans and thief <laughs> who do that. A very similar rhyme Yeah. Uh, to that. There are lots of ways to get to the tower too. Um, that's how I went the first time I went through. And you get to see these, uh, this aftermath of the overseers assaulting the tower, Yeah. which is really, really fantastic. This kind of enemy of my enemy <laughs> and, thing. and just carn, you know, no, just a couple of these plant turrets and just carnage for entire, you know, miles, Yeah. not miles, but for the, you know, a street. Uh, there's another you can get in through a couple different ways, though. You can crawl in through this kind of drainage sluice kind of thing <laughs> and get over to the area between uh, the prison. Would you say that would you say the sluice is tight? The, I say the sluice is medium tight to loose mm, okay. uh, or loose. So, yeah, the, the, yeah, the 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 sluice is finger loose. Yeah, it's finger been, light. It's finger finger looshed. <laughs> is yeah. Finger is finger loose. Loose like a good word for for fingering. No, I don't think so. <laughs> You know, like finger luge? What about finger lozenge? Ugh. Do you like finger lozenge? No, I'd rather, 
I'd rather not. Like I'd rather okay. not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but there's a couple different ways you can get in here. And uh, gameplay-wise, this is lots of witches. Um, it's you seeing your familiar environs, you know, because we've been through a lot of this area in Dishonored 1. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing your familiar environs uh, kind of destroyed. If you go back in through the panic room, uh, you get to see uh, Mortimer mm-hmm. uh, turn into stone. Yeah. Um, so they found him in the panic room and uh, it's all overgrown by plants. They blocked it off. So you can't get in that way. Yeah. You have to go in through the front door. Yeah. Because otherwise it'd be too, uh, too convenient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you get in through the front door and the entire place is basically just, it's, it's like they're squatting or something. Again, it's overgrown. Um, Delilah has shut off the power in order to, uh, in order to, in order to lock herself away um, from this uh, elevator, right. That takes, that uh, takes you all the way to the very top uh, where the real throne room is at. And so you have to uh, navigate your way through on these bookshelves and chandeliers uh, around these witches in order to turn the power back on and then get yourself out past the uh, the bottleneck um, that is created once they realize what is going on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's a clockwork soldier in here. Yeah. Uh, in this this which is a really good opportunity to take you know take away its head and make it kill a lot of witches for you <laughs> if you like. Um, so you kind of make your way up into the the main chamber. Uh, there after again doing a lot of stuff and uh you know finding a lot of witches which is interesting um, yeah. there are a lot of them they summon you know they call for help mm-hmm. things like that but they talk about um how she's been dallying with this um you know the overseer's body and kind of uh making these runes like seeing what she's doing and the non-lethal option involves finding this uh this shrine that she's kind of desecrated this old uh shrine to the everyman that she's using to create her runes and uh, and make the corrupt one. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get into the the main kind of chamber, the main throne room, um, she has placed a double. That's essentially her trick um, on the <laughs> throne, and uh, you have to use the heart on her, but the one on the throne is not her. Right. Uh, in order to kill her and actually open the portal to mm-hmm. her painting dimension. Yeah. Um. And so you go into the painting dimension, and I love this arena. Like it's her, yes, the on, world as it should be. <laughs> yes, uh, it's it, it it's her again, sitting on this throne that overlooks the void. Um, you've got that great void architecture. This is bright as opposed to kind of dismal and uh, uh, monochrome, and she is surrounded by these statues of worshippers that are all kind of pointed toward her. And um, you know, this is you know, if you run up and try and use the uh, the heart on her. Well, um, not really the case. Like they will, uh, you know, again, it's a double and yeah. all of the other doubles will come and activate and you have to fight five of her. The, yes. the way you can actually take her out um, or at least single her out is you have to look around and see that among the statues are other Delilahs. Yes. Um, and they're, they're pretty hard to see. The real Delilah is up above you when you first enter. Mm. Um, which is kind of cool. That's the same. That's the thing she does during the throne room too. Mm. Uh, when you first go into the throne room, she is above throne room is put a double on the, the stage or whatever. Um, the uh, That's here as well. So if you want to uh, choke her out, you can skip all the doubles and stuff and mm. just head up behind you and, and do that yeah. uh, and sneak up behind her. Um, if you made the corrupt rune, you take her out of the painting and put her on the throne, mm. which tricks her into thinking she's getting what she wants. Yes. But just kind of traps her away in a pocket dimension where she can have everything she ever needs. <laughs> yeah. So which like it seems like a pretty sweet gig for somebody who's a real piece of shit. Yeah, I know, right? It's a it's a real kind of like mist twist ending almost. Um, you know, again, being locked away in this in, the, in this prison realm. Uh, her plan, you know, we we, we probably didn't uh, say this out loud, was no. she was trying to use the uh, the painting to paint the world as it should be, and then invert it, and then reshape the world. 
um, you know, yes. all, all of reality into what you wanted it to be. Um, here we kind of invert that again and trick her into thinking that she's gotten what she wanted when, when in reality, she's in this pocket in the void, um, trapped for good. And she has yeah. not been able to, you know, usurp the power of the void and, you know, lock the, uh, lock the overseer or the, uh, overseer, the outsider away. Yeah. Tra trap her in the holodeck. Yeah. You know, essentially, um, you know, part of the reason, so one of the reasons why we forgot to bring that up is because, uh, we've been recording for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the other reason is just that, like, it's not particularly satisfying or cool. No. I guess, you know, the idea that that's what, what she wants, like her actually doing a political coup makes more sense and is cooler to me mm -hmm. than her doing this kind of magical thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's still, it's still fine. It's just not really what I'm playing the game for, you know? Right. Um, after you take care of her and if you fight her, it's just a, a witch fight. Yeah. You know, I had her devoured by rats, um, <laughs> you know, cause that's how my enemies die in yeah. this game. Uh, and cause I'd done the, I actually did the non-lethal for her on my lethal first run through, mm -hmm. uh, cause I thought it might be something kind of cooler, but then yeah, turned out to be, um, you, uh, you get done, you have the power then to, uh, unfreeze your Royal protector or your daughter, mm -hmm. um, or not. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, you can actually just take the throne if you want for yourself. Um, which is very weird. And it's, it feels like they include that option because they were like, Oh, like we want to give players more choice. Uh, no reading of these characters has them not <laughs> saving each other. Right. Even if they're being high chaos, you know, that's still why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, Corvo is never going to make a power grab. Like he does monstrous things for a reason. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not know? going to, especially he's not going to sacrifice Emily. Yeah. Like never in a million years, you know? So there's no, there's no groundwork for this. It's a very weird thing that allows for extra endings, mm -hmm. but are all narratively unsatisfying and probably should have been cut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, this opens and, up the, uh, the, the, the epilogue where the outsider describes, um, the, you know, the outcomes of certain things that you've done. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And this is where we get the, uh, so we, we find out what kind of happened to these areas. Um, you know, you can, there's different ways you can set things up. Um, and there's a lot of different factors here that mm -hmm. it's actually pretty complicated. The sending yeah. slide algorithms, because it's not just like, Oh, um, I gave the silver district to Paolo. Paolo will take it. Like, no, my, my guy, uh, Corvo ended up being the Lord of Karnaka for me, mm -hmm. even though I gave it, you know, gave it to Paolo and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it can be pretty tricky. Yeah. Um, the, the four things that are, in you know the, there's a high chaos and low chaos version of your names so that's yes. set in stone you're either uh, emily the just or emily the clever um corvo the black or corvo the protector mm -hmm. i think are the, the four different ways you can be known um and then everything else varies a lot yeah. um sokolov uh rides off in the sunset i think either way mm -hmm. um and, and the one the reason why i think this is gonna be the dlc is because megan goes and looks for her old crew yeah um, as Billy Lurk, no matter what, and I'm like, oh, we're probably gonna play as Megan. Yeah, I'm down DLC. with that. I'd, Me too. I'd, I'll play a character voiced by Rosario Dawson. Great. Yeah, I like Megan. <laughs> um, and it just it seems like Dodd. It's like get the the big name actor who will just do the DLC, but not do the you know. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And this gets us our credit song, which we weighed a lot of uh, a lot of praise on before. We danced and sang until the early ships sailed. And when morning bells rang, only then we exhale.
sands of Circonos, they're burning in the sun. I may use that for the beginning of the, the thing because the actual opening ambient beginning of the song. So I might open the, the episode with uh, the Sands of Karnaka. But if I don't mm-hmm. open it, I'll end it with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that's Dishonored too. That's Dishonored. Uh, so one thing that we didn't bring up, um, and I just I just remembered this because it, it is a fairly big deal for the, for the cosmology, is on the way out of uh, the crack in the slab mission, we're mm-hmm. sucked into the void. Oh, yeah. And we learn kind of how much oh, skin shit, yeah. how much skin in uh, the 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 outsider yeah. has in the game for this and we learn his origins as to as to why he got the way he is yes. um and this I'm is glad very you remember divided. that just so we didn't get shit on right well people people probably already already heard us skip over that and tweeted at us so yeah. that's fine it's fine if you can delete that tweet please um, no, it's fine. <laughs> delete it. <laughs> yeah, delete this. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like you know, we're we're brought in and we learn a little bit about the stakes at play that Delilah is again making a making a play to become a god of these of these forces, usurping him. And we learn that you know, the outsider was created when a small boy was sacrificed um, on this altar that looks very much like a like an everyman kind of thing. Um, and the, the, the sacrifice led to him kind of being fused with the void essence to become the avatar of this place. Yeah. I personally didn't need that. I, so I didn't, I don't need it. I started off very irritated that they explained it. Yeah. Then I kind of came to peace with it because it's still just like a religion that we don't know anything about. Like it's so old as to be meaningless. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't actually bother me that much because it doesn't actually answer that many questions. Yeah, the, I, don't, I don't need it. I agree with you 100. Yeah. It's unnecessary, the, but I don't feel like it's as actively detrimental as I did when I first saw it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't like make the outsider's interpretation in the first game less cool. I think the bigger the bigger problem with this presentation is just the fact that he is not a disinterested agent of chaos in this. I don't like the stakes being raised so much that we're fighting over who gets to control the powers of God. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's you know that's pretty weird. I would yeah. agree with that. Like, I don't mind him having a personal vendetta in it if the stakes weren't so high. Right. You know, the idea that uh, this plays with him actually being a man, mm-hmm. you know, and having kind of man motivations mm-hmm. uh, on, on Comedy <laughs> Central with Jimmy Kimmel and some shit face. Um, the uh, so him having man motivations doesn't bother me as much as. The fact that it is him stepping in for the good of the world kind of explicitly, even if it's for a selfish reason mm-hmm. like that, that doesn't play with my understanding of, uh, of the outsider. And that that's, you know, again, everything connected. That's why Dishonored 1 is more thematically strong than Dishonored 2. Yeah. Or one of the reasons. Yeah. And that'll lead, um, that'll lead into my into my final thoughts here. I feel like I've laid it out. I'm very impressed with the mechanics and just the detail and the, the number of trivia things that you laid out in this. Like, kind of like, oh, if you are in this weird, like, corner case of a corner case, you, you, you get this whole different perspective on an area or a person. Like, that kind of stuff will never not be impressive to me. And the fact that it's wrapped around you know, again, this incredibly competent action stealth thing where you can, you know, customize your powers. I don't think there's a dud power in the bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that it validates all these approaches, I just, I just wish that it was as consistent thematically and narratively as dishonored one was, but you know, that is, uh, you know, if, if they had to allocate those limited points in a certain way, I'm pretty happy that they, that they did it in a way that, you know, made this as mechanically satisfying as that, as it ended up being. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's it's not uh, I don't think anybody's going to make the uh, the argument that this is a great narrative or that it has like 
wonderful, you know, really, really deep characters with impressive arcs, right? Like that's not the, that's not what this game is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, for me, uh, and I'm, I'm not, this is not me arguing with you or refuting your point. Mm-hmm. It just, the emphasis or the dozens of asterisks I need to put on the end of that is just that like the amount it loses is so much less than it gains, Yep, you know? Uh, to where like, yes, that's, and there are people out there and, you know, I've been talking about this game on Slack since it came out, um, who cannot, uh, cannot play a game with an unsatisfying narrative. Like that's just mm-hmm. not how they work. Yep. Um, if that's you, I'm sorry, son, <laughs> you know, like it is, you're, you're missing out because it is, uh, and it's not like when, when we describe the narrative as unsatisfying, like it's also important to reference that we're grading on a curve. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's like, not only is it the dishonored curve because the dishonored story and specifically the DLC, like Dowd's tale of redemption is actually really good. I think, mm-hmm. um, is pretty high, but video games in, in general, this is a cliche, but true. Video games tend to have pretty shitty stories. Like out of games I enjoyed, um, like this has a stronger narrative than like mankind divided does, mm-hmm. which is also a, a very similar case where it's very fun to play. Not very strong mechanically. It's a stronger narrative than fallout four. Mm-hmm. It has a stronger narrative than a lot of video games that yeah, I enjoy yeah. and people enjoy. It's just kind of suffers by comparison, uh, the way that the industry tends to suffer mm-hmm. and, uh, in comparison to the series, which is actually kind of weirdly strong, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't get a lot of credit for it. Yeah. So, uh, so like when I call it unsatisfying or when I say I wish it was better, like don't read into that, that it, it, it like suffers as, you know, suffers as uh, profoundly as a product because of that. Yeah. This, these are, these are areas where it's soft, not areas where it crumbles, you yes. know? Like that's a, I mean, there's room for improvement. If this was doing, if it was doing its evaluation, mm-hmm. like, and you have to give it areas for improvement because <laughs> otherwise, you know, what are you going to judge it by next year? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what are we going to judge this on a three by unless we give this areas for improvement? That would be the way. And it's also uh, certain elements of the morality in Dishonored 1 where that people criticized. I consider to be important to that game's kind of meta theming mm-hmm. of, of talking to the player and stuff. This would not have been harmed by having stronger soft parts. Right. You know, like a, a better, like a, a really fantastic story, really, really fantastic character arcs that are kind of deep. Um you know, kind of maybe like slightly less disaffected line delivery, things like that, that would help mm-hmm. this game would not have hurt it at all. It wouldn't have been subtraction by addition one yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so it can still be phenomenal. Like it is, it is definitely, you know, it's in my, my top three favorite games I played last year by, by a very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, uh, it would, it would, that would make it better. And then mm-hmm. it would be like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like, you know, end video games. It'd be like a Resident Evil Four thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, if this had a really satisfying thematic and narrative arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it as it stands, like the morality stuff, it it's just mechanics at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not making that choice because of any real feedback that the game is giving you. Like, the game is just giving you, you know, like Dishonored One, giving you more of what you're asking for, and like, yeah. you just kind of have to be okay with that. And kind of one of the bummer things is it's not. Uh, it's not very good, but also doesn't feel phoned in, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody, somebody cared about this narrative. Yep. Uh, the, uh, so it's not like fallout four where it feels like it was literally written by, you know, a dartboard. <laughs> um, you know I mean? That's not true. It feels like it was written by a high school student, but the, um, like the, it's not like that. It's like somebody probably put some thought into this plot, like as an idea. Uh, and it's just, it's not quite as good as I want it to be. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, who, like, not not putting that person on blast because they did a they did an okay job, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but just not just not phenomenal. Yeah, you just have to like I don't know see see how the square like see how those things square away with your values. 
is 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 really it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna matter more to different people, more, matter it's, it's more or of, less. It's a values thing in a way that is uh, really comparable, even if the final product is not quite as comparable. But it reminds me a lot of Torment, where like Torment is a game where the mechanics are not great. Um, you know, I think that they're like unfairly when people are like they're literally a trash fire. That's too far. Mm-hmm. But the mechanics are not great. Um, but the narrative is foundational and textual. Like this, is, you know, if you were teaching a class in video games, like you would teach Torment, mm-hmm. um, or your class is not worth taking, like one hundred percent. Yeah. The um, this feels like if you were teaching a class in modern kind of immersive sim level design, you would teach this game. Yeah. You know, it's 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 Torment level in that respect. Just in that, like, there's one thing that's like, oh, this is like a B minus. Yeah. And a part of it. But everything else is like feels foundational to me Mm -hmm. Um, for those reasons I explained like we, you know, our show is not the place to do it. But like I want people to start doing, you know, real in-depth level deconstructions of this. Yeah. You know, similar to what we talked about that first level, they just kind of like this leads to this, which introduces this to this because you don't notice it when you're playing. But if you think back on it, there's just such a reason behind this stuff. And it's really, really elegant and and kind of masterful. Mm -hmm. Um, So the people, you know, people who are working on this, the arcane people are just like ones to watch, you know? Yeah. And uh, that makes me very excited for the series. I'm really glad this was not a dud. I'm really glad this was not a Binfinite, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, that's where I'm at. And I'm glad we covered it. Hmm. And it's a long episode, I know. So we will <laughs> we'll cruise on. But the um, thank you uh, for people who only like retro games uh, for coming along on this journey with us. Cool. What are we doing next week? Uh, well, next time, Gary, we are doing our 150th episode special about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I beat it last night. Oh, I'm halfway uh, through. I, uh, I I got through the uh, uh, partway into the inverted mansion last night. And boy, oh, boy, does is that when this becomes a Castlevania game? <laughs> it, it's it's weird. We're, that's going to be a very interesting episode, too, because um, I, I came away from it. Like, I still love Symphony of the Night. It's one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't decide if the inverted mansion is good. Yeah, I, I don't. Think, uh, I don't like objectively, think I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's, uh, it's more than it's like half the game. Like, mm-hmm. it's. I think it's kind of bad. Yeah. And I never would have thought that because it's such a cool treat. And all mm-hmm. I wanted was more Castlevania when I played it. Yeah. But like, man, I don't think it's very good. Yeah. It's, um, um, it's, it's pretty, it's taxing. Yeah. Taxing. And also the reward is not great. Yeah. You know, um, the, some of the boss fights are good. Mm-hmm. Some treasure you get is satisfying, but none of it's <laughs> like tied to your progress the same way it is. And the first part, like it is the first half of that is 100% impeccable. Yep. You know, um, it's like, it's like the life search pageant of video games. <laughs> Um, speaking of, uh, <laughs> by the time this comes out, no, but shortly after this comes out, we'll mm-hmm. be, oh shit. Uh, next game we're doing after that is a shadow of destiny, whatever. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's fine. I'm excited to cover it. Episode 151 is uh, shadow of memories slash shadow of destiny. Um, the next game after that is a poll game. Is that correct? Um, yeah. So we're going to, uh, that'll, that'll be a poll. Watch social media for that because we still need to hammer, hammer that down, but it's going to be a yes. poll about specials. Yes, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. Like, I'm we're excited about the different options for it. So it's going to be a different poll than other polls. Um, the uh, the way that you kind of segue, segue, mm-hmm. the way that you can vote in that poll is if you were one of our patrons, if you go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Um, one of the things that that does is through your collective support uh, allows us to do more shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can take more time and concentrate on things. And what I was trying to segue into before I forgot about Shadows of Destiny uh, was that uh, shortly after this comes out, uh, the first episode, uh, File Underwater, will be out. Uh, Cole and I's exhaustive examination of R.E.M. Yeah. The band. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, album by album and era by era. 
uh, talking mm-hmm. about the uh, the music and the band itself and side projects and you know things of that nature. We've recorded the first two episodes. They're coming out every other Wednesday, opposite of Teenage Dirtbag, so Wednesday's Music Day. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I've I enjoyed it. I I really am having a lot of fun listening to and thinking about and reading about this music and this band. And I'm looking forward to people getting a chance to uh, to check it out. Yeah, I think those I think those episodes we recorded are good. Yeah. Um, less digressive and goofy than we usually are, mm-hmm. but also uh, strong critically. Um, also, February is when Teenage Dirtbags and Check It Out Comrade are coming back. Yep. So that's just uh, worth talking about. We took our, our month and a half off, and we're ready to uh, to hit the ground running. Um, if you support us on Slack, in addition to just creating those new shows, you also get to hang out with us. Or if you support us on uh, Patreon, mm-hmm. you get to hang out with us on Slack. Um, you also get some kind of uh, rewards as far as bonus shows and like. Um, check it out at that website. It'd mean a lot to us if you did. Yeah. And uh, the reason why we're able to uh, to do this is uh, is because of you. It's directly related to your gen- to your generosity. Um, and sometimes when you uh, when you support us, you can uh, be thanked on the air. Gary, I will direct you to Slack because I forgot to put this in the uh, in the notes. But uh, we have some people to thank. Yeah, I will head to Slack. Yeah. <laughs> and we we will we will thank them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I'd like to thank uh, Brian Wade, the person who tricked me into reading a Star Wars. Yeah, a uh, piece of shit. Uh, he's he's not. He's actually I actually love Brian. No, I just, he's such a nice guy. It's like he's the new Jeremy Greer though, yeah. for, and maybe that means he will have like a Greerish path ahead of him, and will become unto Greer, and and in all the the ways that you know worked out for Jeremy, uh, but maybe not. Um, yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Nicholas Basile, a longtime supporter and uh, general good dude. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Burdell. Thank you. Uh, again, I've uh, been around for a very long time, uh, supporting and commenting on things. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks to uh, Brett's wife, who I think his name is Lori, who mm-hmm. is also uh, supports us as well. We're, you know, she, she'll get her own entry eventually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam Beer, the man who holds up abject suffering, as we say. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sam. Yeah. Really do appreciate it. And uh, Bill Jackson. Thank you, Bill. Um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you guys very much for supporting us. Um, real quick before we get out, I know this is a long episode, but I haven't mentioned this on a show yet. If you go to GaryButterfield.BandCamp.com, um, I put out a record that is the OST for one of our stretch goals, Patreon, the Heartbeat City show. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of musical stings and ending themes, essentially, that I'm going to use uh, to transition between things. Um, all proceeds for that go to Planned Parenthood. Um, we've raised uh, a little bit over $300 so far. Holy shit. Um, which is really good. That's, you know, I don't tend to make that kind of money with my uh, with my music, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is really, really phenomenal. Uh, $301 exactly. Um, it's, pay what, it's pay what you want. So uh, if you cannot afford to pay, that's fine. Just come check out the soundtrack. If you can, uh, all proceeds, like I said, for now to, until eternity, go to uh, Planned Parenthood. And the idea is that uh, because the app that I use, the uh, Korg DS synthesizer on my phone, mm-hmm. is why I did to make that soundtrack and because it is a very fun thing to do. Um, this will be an evolving soundtrack. So that show, if it continues and gets picked up, um, we'll have new musical stings kind of each season uh, that will have corresponding soundtracks there where the money goes to Planned Parenthood because uh, we are agents of love <laughs> here and so are Planned Parenthood. Yeah. So don't fuck with them. Don't fuck without them. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a, that's a button and a slogan for them. Oh, nice. That I, I, I really love. Yeah. GaryButterfield.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Um, until next time, Cole, what should they watch out for? Bloodflies. They're horrifying.
Yeah. These are oranges. <laughs> oh, Vincent um, D'Onofrio. Yeah, he's something happened to him. Uh, <laughs> between that and the Kingpin, like there's just like something something happened to him. I mean, it's 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 all pretty similar to the take some water and put yeah. some sugar in it. This is, you know. <laughs> But that's him playing a, like a real. Like yeah. that's the weird thing is these are humans. Like, yeah. 